Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Welcome, Christine. How are you today? Oh, boy. I am doing great, Em. Thank you so much. How are you doing? It sounds a little like a talk show where I was like, how are you today on my show? And you went, oh, good to be here. And I- I'm so happy to be here. Thank oh, you for having me. I'm glad you're here also. Otherwise, I'd be talking into space and I would look like a crazy person. <laughs> oh, I miss you, Christine. I haven't talked I to you in too. a while. I found a tweet yesterday that you had tweeted like, oh, God, when we were on tour and I think it was 2018, like fall of 2018, and oh you had posted a picture of me, Deirdre, and Linda, like looking, drinking oh. wine and looking around your mom's uh, wow. house renovations. And it was so cute. I was like, I miss this. I miss you. I miss being able to hang out with you and drink wine with Linda. And oh, I miss how the old house days. looked. Um, but <laughs> yeah, you can't all win. I know I, that was our that was during our practice tour because we did like yeah, the mini one Philly, DC and New York is like practice, like audience practice, which I don't think oh. anyone knew before now. But we there was like our <laughs> our mini tour before we actually made a big tour. So yeah, oh, so many fun times. Yeah, it was fun. I missed showing you my town, even though we were only there for a hot second. I know, but it was such a beautiful friendship moment where I got to see where you grew up. Anyway, I'm feeling nostalgic this week. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm fine. What's wrong? No, it's you can no, tell nothing. me. No one's it's, listening. It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Um, I just want to apologize in advance. I have a big old cup of water here. Um, oh, your brother just texted me. Uh, Wait, why? What does he want? On your business. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got a friendship. That's fine. He texted me too. Uh, Is this a group text or did he text you about something different? He texted me individually. He said, ha ha ha. Yeah, Christine sucks. Um, I'm just- <laughs> I love that you just phrase it as a way that like in a way to imply that you said it first and he was agreeing with you. So screw you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I woke up and said, good morning, Zandy. Your sister's terrible. And he went, ha ha. Um, no, I want to apologize because I'm, I have a big cup of water with me. Um, I was using my microphone for something else yesterday and I realized there was a very weird sound. And I also saw someone tweet out that my audio didn't sound too clear in the last episode, that it sounded kind of crackly. And at first I was like, what are they talking about? And then when I used the microphone, I was like, I know exactly what they're talking about. And here's the thing. I had my dosage for my ADHD meds changed. So we're back to the 
I'm currently like having like a hot flash and I'm freezing at the same time and I have dry mouth again. So the sound that someone was hearing was literally my gross spit trying to save itself. I'm like, like parachuting away. (laughs) So I'm going to stay hydrated as often as I can this week. So hopefully you don't hear that sound anymore. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I'm trying to hydrate, but only because my skin is dry. That's all. I don't have any fun reasons for it. Oh, well, that's fine. You look great, though. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I haven't washed my hair in three days, so I really appreciate it. I'll text your brother about it later, though. <laughs> I'm sure you will, and I'm sure he's already sent it. No, oh, Christine, you look great. Um, <laughs> uh, no, other than, I mean, I'm fine. I just like, ugh, I got to do this all over again. So anyway. Uh, oh, wait, I have something fun. So uh, have you watched the show that everyone keeps trying to tell us to watch uh, called... The suffering, suffering death or death? No, surviving death, death, suffering death. death. That sounds like my kind of content, suffering death, but surviving surviving death. death. I I am obsessed, obsessed. I watched all of the episodes. They're each like an hour. They're like movie length. I watched all six of them. And uh, my sister came over for for a little sister sleepover and (laughs) we ordered Indian and we watched like three or four of the episodes and she was we were legitimately kind of freaked out each episode something different like some of them are past lives some of them which you know is just like my jam some of them are about mediums uh some of them are about uh like seeing dead people or near-death experiences it is oh they talk a lot about like spiritualism and stuff and have the old photos oh and the 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 um the society for psychical research is oh, like i'm a headlined Fun fact. I know they're like headlined the whole thing and they talk about all the like founders and oh my god it's so good and so interesting so thank you to everyone who recommended it okay uh, Netflix knew I wanted to watch it and they were like please just finally do it Netflix and- knows that I want to watch it too because it's all that shows up but <laughs> I I just haven't and I just I don't know what my deal is I think I'm just it's part of my commitment issues where everyone's like you have to watch this thing and now I'm like ugh, now there's this pressure on me where I better enjoy it and then I freak out then I'm like I shouldn't watch it because now what if I'm disappointed but then I decide a year later to watch it and I'm like blown away and everyone else is like yeah okay we knew that we told you yeah, but I mean I, I feel like you and I are both similar in that way where somebody tells us to do something and we don't want to do it but then you and I are also we're not above saying oh I never saw it <laughs> If we watch it and hate it. <laughs> I mean, Marvel Monday has really become a place where people suggest like really, I'm sure, amazing content. But every time I'm like, I'll add it to the list. But like, I can't confirm that I'm going to see <laughs> yeah. this. Like, I'm so There's sorry. There's no list. I have, a, I have a surprise fact for all of you. There's no list. There's a list that is not written down anywhere. It's a it's a running list in my <laughs> mind of like things I haven't done. And like, <laughs> I call it the disappointment list. Um <laughs> But no, okay, I, it does sound interesting, I'm not going to lie. But I will say what happens in two days from now, which by the time this comes out, my brain will have exploded, what? is uh, on Friday, WandaVision comes out. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, Christine, I have to tell you. What? Oh, okay, because you're on the East Coast now, I have to call Eva in, in frenetic panics now because you're asleep in the middle of the night awake so i called her i'm pretty sure this happened uh i called her intentionally so i wouldn't think this was a fever dream i need to tell you something big and everyone needs to know and nobody can talk about it on twitter because we can't get me in trouble what did you do (sighs) so i went on bumble bff and i i think i i don't oh literally that person just texted me so no that's fun that's a sign what is it? So I became friends with someone on Bumble BFF, and this is like the first one to hit it off. This is the first one 
who has made it past the... Yeah, we just talked about how we both deleted the app. Yeah, well, here I am. God, I can't keep up with M. So she's passed the test on Bumble conversations. She graduated to, hey, let's exchange social media. Ooh. And then she graduated to, here's my number. And we've been texting. Homie's cousin is friends with the Scarlet Witch. No. And when I tell you... Wait, who's the Scarlet Witch? (laughs) What's that? My, I'm sorry. Oh, just smile and nod. On behalf of all the uh, listeners who are like, I don't know what that is. Don't worry, I don't either. But let's pretend. Oh my god, that's crazy! I know it's Marvel. It's Marvel. So I, um, it, she's first of all my new true love. Because remember, I told you a while ago, I kind of retired my love for Miss Bree, and I needed to. No, you literally never told me that. Huh? Interesting. I've been telling a lot of people, and I lose track. But Thanks. I, uh. Yeah, Miss Bree, I something happened. I fell out of love. It was just a really intense love, and it was, I think, bound to kind of hit a dead end. Was it the time that that one person that I won't mention, because uh, I also don't remember their name, was like, she's actually kind of a bitch. And you and I were like, why would you say that to us? Oh, and it was someone who might actually know her. Um, yeah, and it was like a working <laughs> relationship that we couldn't jeopardize. I was like, oh, could you maybe introduce us one day to Miss Bree? And they were like, I don't think you want that. And I was like, oh, that was really rude. <laughs> I was like, do tell, but also my heart's broken. Um, no, that wasn't it. There was genuinely something where I, I I, came to a realization where I was in love with Captain Marvel, played mm-hmm. by Miss Bree, versus oh. Miss Bree herself. Got it. So then I was like, oh, now I got to love someone who like isn't just a superhero. And then I found I was sleeping on, let's be clear, Elizabeth Olsen. I always thought she was a cutie pie, but... Miss Bree had my heart, so I wasn't paying attention. Sure. Love is blind, except not because uh, I was looking at Miss Bree. But cardboard <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut out in the background. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I was primed to love her because she was in my home all the time. Right. But I mean, Elizabeth Olsen has always been a honey, and Scarlet Witch is like very beautiful. Let's just leave it at that. I okay. could go on and on and on. But so I, within the last during quarantine, I have really. F- discovered my my real feelings for her and she's scarlet witch and she's about she's like the next big brain melting sensation of marvel which ha- comes out on friday wow uh, it's like it's the first of like five marvel tv series that are coming out that are all connected to the movies and it's going i'm not even i know you don't care and i'm not gonna I get care. into it i care because you care Yes, but you wouldn't understand any of the words that come out of my mouth because they're like literally Marvel alien words. But let's just say that this TV series, one Marvel in general, is going to explain like 10 different movies. It's like has things that are going to answer all these questions we've been having. And it's just me getting to look at Elizabeth Olsen for six hours. Anyway, Bumble BFF person can maybe be my connection to her. That's pretty crazy. Which means if we hung out out of politeness at some point she'd have to be like so what do you do for a living and then i'd have to mention the podcast and then she'd like an avenger would know our podcast and then i would um, also pray she wouldn't ever listen especially to this episode. this is the hidden episode nobody can know that's why i'm saying nobody even tag her as a joke because like if i become friends with her she can't know that this happened that this no, conversation no, no. is out in the world she can't know you gotta play it cool for yeah it, for the chance at me getting to know an avenger and being one degree away from captain america please god don't don't mention this, but everyone just squeal together across the nation. The end. I'm very happy for you. I'm very excited. This is uh, very big news. Um, thank you for telling me. You're telling me. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, wow. I just, 
Okay. Anyway, are um, you? Should we cancel the recording? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? I'm not, okay. but we should cancel no. so I can breathe for a second. Anyway, welcome to the That's Why We Drink, where we tell a paranormal and a true crime story. I have a story for you, Christine. Would you? Yay. Would you like to hear it? Um. Hmm. Um, no. <laughs> we'll take a minute to decide. Okay, uh, I'll sip my water and, and rehydrate. Wet in my whistle. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, I got time. By the way, did you ever go here in Boston, Regina Pizzeria? Um, yeah, in Boston. Yeah, I, I was oh. like, they have one in LA. Oh yeah, I miss Boston best, pizza. I miss Boston. Pizza. I miss uh, Boston pastries. Oh my god, I miss Boston. Uh, I. I really Boston cuisine, great Italian, like old Italian, oh. like mob Italian, yeah, like the OG Italian. Oh, so good, and Polish food. Oh, so if good. If you, especially if you're at the, in the north, in the north end, and you go to that Regina Pizzeria, the original one, if you are within walking distance of their meatball slice, I'm oh. so fucking jealous of you. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Okay, here's your story, Christine. You waited long Tell enough. Me. This is um, this is a an urban. Eh, I feel like it's not right to call it an urban myth. It's kind of just a. Uh oh, <laughs> sorry. My dad just texted me and said, "I'm walking to your house with tea." <laughs> you can't do that. Oh my god, are we about to have a guest appearance of Bernie? No, or- no. He says I'm walking across the bridge to Kentucky. I'm like, turn around. This is why you can't move closer to your I family. Know. And they say, do this. Hey, hi. Uh, I have a job where I'm home all the time. Pop on over. Okay, I just said I can't see you right now. I'm, but he has cookies. What do I do? 
why is he doing this? I literally haven't seen him in weeks. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm walking to your house from across the bridge, across the state line. I love you, but you chose this life. You chose it. You paid for it too. Cause you literally moved across the country. I did. I'm going to say Blaze is here. You want to see him. <laughs> poor Blaze. I was going to say poor Blaze. He's going to be like me and my father-in-law just eating cookies. Just eating cookies. <laughs> talking about my dad's e-bike that he's obsessed with. He rides his e-bike around the bridge uh, to come see me. Anyway, sorry. I just panicked. I'm glad I had my like texts on here because he would have shown up and that would have been chaotic. So. You know what would have happened if I lived within walking distance of my father? He would not bring me cookies. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I would I would try to bring him cookies and he'd text me and be like, get off my property. Like <laughs> He wouldn't text you. He would what is it? He would remember when he discovered the cloud, he would just climb into the cloud and be like, Get out, <laughs> get off my cloud. He would just scream at me uh until I heard him on the cloud and then I'd be like, Oh my god, it's um, oh, okay, daddy. So, sorry if you hear this, my bad. It's okay. You're enjoy your, your bike and your cookies and your bridge. Enjoy um, your e-bike. Sounds like a Sounds like a classic 60-year-old man, by the Sounds way. Sounds like a dad move, right? Yeah, he loves his e-bike. So it was originally considered an urban myth. I'm I'm going to say more it's like a legendary location. Legend location. Um, just because it's got some historical stuff to it, but also there's... I'm just going to tell you what it is. I guess it. You can. Oh. You can. I was going to say Atlantis, but probably no. not. No. Oh. <laughs> I, Atlantis, I think, would be too big of a story for me to be one. downplaying like this. Yeah. Um, not that this isn't an important story, but this is the this is me telling uh, about Pyramid Lake. Which, Ooh, what's that? So it's... I don't know. I keep trying to define it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a location that happens to have some legends and lore to it let's just say that. okay um so it's 35 miles northeast of reno nevada nevada okay i always want to say oh, nevada. Wait. update good news my dad says new estimated time of arrival is 4 30 p.m take me out so now he's just <laughs> waiting till we're done recording <laughs> sorry i just wanted i was sweating a lot so i needed everyone to feel relaxed with me you know the fact that he is giving you an ETA on the bridge, on the cloud. On the bridge! On the bridge! What's your bridge oh. ETA? I gotta know, Bernie. <laughs> poor, poor Bernie has to turn around on his e-bike on the bridge. Now you've given him a sec- a reason to ride again. Uh, today, You're right. So. Another ride, another bridge. Uh, another set of cold cookies now, I guess. Although he doesn't make cookies. What is he talking about? They're probably like fiber cookies you or probably something. probably got gross. them from some of, one of your weird German bakeries where I couldn't pronounce anything. So, okay. Can I say one, one quick thing? What? I'm sorry. For Christmas, my dad gave me a, uh, he ga- wrapped up a wine decanter. And I was like, well, that's really thoughtful because my dad, no offense, but he gives really strange gifts that usually aren't applicable Most to life. fathers do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I was like, wow, a wine decanter. That's kind of like thoughtful. And so uh, I was like, thanks, dad. And he's like, well, did you open it? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, open the box. Oh and I was like, stop. What have you done? It was filled with granola bars from Costco, like Kirkland brand granola bars and uh, <sighs> dried blueberries from Kirkland brand Costco. And I was like, dad, why have you done this? And he was like, well, remember I told you I bought Halloween candy for all the kids and you refused to come pick it up. Is that Halloween um, candy? That's literally what he gave out to children on halloween how is dried blueberries up, how did he not wake up on november 1st with egg and toilet paper all over i'm telling you and i said i was like i'm really busy i can't pick up those candies you told me about <laughs> so i never picked them up so instead for christmas months later he put them in a wine decanter box 
to to fucking get me when I'm, you know, my guard is down. Yeah. And then he, it was filled with granola bars. And I was like, wait, so where's the wine decanter? He's like, oh, I'm using it for myself. And I was like, well, you don't drink. And he's like, I know, I put my orange juice in it. This man is so. <laughs> Every father feels like they're kind of, they're also wondering if they're senile. Like there's like, they're kind of dancing around, putting things in places for no random specific <laughs> like, people. It's like, you don't drink and you live alone. And he was like, I know, but I put my orange juice in it. Anyway, I just had to say that because when he says I'm coming over with cookies, I'm like, are they cookies or are they blueberries from Costco that are, or are they slates of stone by the pond like where <laughs> it's entirely possible <laughs> it's always Kirkland brand though so don't worry I love a good Kirkland brand he's on he's on something there anyway I'm so sorry please continue I think he should apologize I think you're I think, no he certainly should apologize I'm still waiting <laughs> on that apology card and it has not arrived oh my gosh Ugh. you know what and all I thought that whole time was like your brother is in danger because he is turning exactly into your father he is <laughs> For, for a logical reason, he gave you a pinata of beans for your birthday. <laughs> for a logical reason that he then put on the internet and was like, it's hilarious. And everyone was like, literally, what are you doing? At least Zandy? he knows that he should film his mistakes. And That's true. At least he uses it for enter- for entertainment value and YouTube views. You That's right. Try you should just do a thing where you start giving your dad as weird of shit as he Maybe gives I you and just see what his reaction is because to him yeah. it might make total sense. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, a pinata of beans. I don't know how to do a German accent. <laughs> and he'd be like, this is perfect. It would make Okay, well, I gave him a yo-yo because I always try really hard with my gifts for him and usually it's kind of like, oh, that's nice. Okay. But this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to give him a yo-yo. I feel like he would like a yo-yo. So I gave him a yo-yo, not knowing what would happen. He opened that yo-yo. He started walking around the house with it and he goes, did I ever tell you about Billy Panama? And I was like, what? And he's like, Billy Panama came to my town in Germany and he did all these yo-yo tricks on stage and he had a free bike for anyone who could do the same yo-yo tricks. So yeah, I mean, I guess if you could just like give your dad something random. Your father sounds like if he grew up in like the 20s, he would have been like that guy who always spoke in scat or rhyme. Like, just like, and he would disappear into the shadows after he gave a weird bowler hat. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Hey, pure on. Lake. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Dad, stop interrupting. He needs to have his, he needs to be involved at all points. And at we all allow times. it, by the way. We- That's the problem. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm listening now full, fully. Tell him that next time I hear from him, I want a scat about beans and pinatas and breakfast <laughs> he's gonna say what is a pinata and then at the end he'll go happy halloween um, <laughs> okay <sighs> pyramid lake is 35 miles northeast of reno let's try the fourth word of my notes again nevada yeah i always want to say nevada okay um fun fact about pyramid lake is it's also one of the ipad's home screens Oh, fun fact. I like a fun fact. Here's a funner one. Uh, one of the most famous home screen pictures is called Bliss. And it was taken in 96. And then in 2006, uh, here was one of my deep dives. Can you tell? Uh, <laughs> and then in 2006, like as a 10 year anniversary, he the photographer retook the same picture. Is it the drop? The water drop? No. I don't think so. It's But it's a side. But you can do like a side by side and see how they look <gasps> after 10 years. Um, oh. Anyway, so Pyramid Lake is, fun facts about the lake, is that it is 125,000 acres, um, which makes it one of the largest natural lakes in the state. And another fun fact is it's only 10% of the area of the Great Salt Lake in Utah, but it holds 25% more volume. 
real how oh whoa man how i don't know okay i don't know i'm not a scientist (laughs) Uh, but anyway so it's smaller but deeper i suppose okay does that make sense yeah I don't know. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Not a scientist. Um, okay. So the Pyramid Lake is uh, also the only habitat in the entire world for a specific type of fish that's been around for over 2 million years. Oh. The fish are called Quee, Quee, no, Quee, Quee, Okay. Okay. So that, that name comes into play in a second. So the native people who lived here originally were called the Paiute tribe. And their traditional name was actually Kwiwi. Oh. Kwiwi Taikata, I think. And it meant like that type of fish eaters. So they ate th- that fish. Love it. So that was their original name or what they called themselves, I guess. I'm not really totally sure what a traditional name is, but we now know them historically as the Paiute tribe. Okay. So they lived there blissfully uh, until 1844 and then fucking white men happened. Um, <laughs> they always do. Specifically, the one of the guys, his name was John C. Fremont, who discovered it. Uh-huh. Yes, he yes, walked yes, to yes. all the people there and said, I found this. And they went, <laughs> no. Look what I found. Right. <laughs> Imagine God. if you're holding candy um, oh i'm sorry um like a trisket or whatever your dad fucking <laughs> blueberries dry blueberries <laughs> and then i grab them out of your hand and then i give them back and say look ex- i found these for you except, except instead you of giving them it. back <laughs> and, and also not, instead of giving them back i kill you yeah, yeah and that's a um, great analogy you just created there really i don't even know uh, if that's i'm not uh, a historian okay okay um but yeah, I'm not a historian, but I know enough to say that white men fucking suck. So <laughs> in 1844, John C. Fremont, quote, discovered it and named it Pyramid Lake. So I don't like that it's named what yeah. the white guy with the colonizer fucking called it, but that is what we call I'm it today. I'm shocked you didn't call it Fremont Lake, but okay. <laughs> Amen. <Honestly. laughs> Amen. Um, so apparently Pyramid Lake, he picked that name with his big genius man brain um, because there was a pyramid shaped rock in the lake. And wow. But the the rock itself was called Tufa rock. So why wouldn't you just fucking call it Tufa Lake then if you wanted to be a big old pyramid? Uh Aha. Well, that's why. So uh, the lake also was the site of the Paiute war or the pyramid lake war between the Northern Paiutes and the colonizers. So when, that area was being settled or I guess and like the Northwest area of Nevada when it was being settled, it was no surprise, a massive disruption to the Paiute people in terms mm-hmm. of like their food and grazing lands. And like, let's not forget the fact that the colonizers were kidnapping and assaulting. I'm just saying that word. So no one feels triggered, but very aggressively assaulting the women and girls in that mm-hmm. tribe. So, um, in retaliation, the Paiutes decided that they were going to raid one of the colonizers' businesses. It was called the William Station. It was basically like a saloon, stagecoach, like a stagecoach station, and a general store hybrid. Um, it was like all three of those things in one. So they decided they were going to raid William Station. And the raid happened on May 6th, 1860. 76 colonizers died. And we don't know how many Paiutes died, but we know up to 500 fought. Oh, wow. So uh, we don't, and we don't even know if zero to 500 and I'm guessing it's not zero. Right. Um, 
So people say this is kind of like one of the little ghostly tales of of this is that people say say that you can still see the colonizers from this battle riding around the lake. Also, another thing about the lake is that it's original lake that it was a part of. So I think this is just like a small part of a once bigger lake. It was called uh, Lake Lahontan. And that lake, uh, or the lake as we know it now, was formed about two million years ago around the same time that those fish showed up. <laughs> they just uh, showed up. <laughs> moved on in. They were like, we didn't like it when this place was bigger, but we like that it's cozy Thank now. You. So. <laughs> um, so just this part, I'm not sure about Lake Lahontan or its history or why we only talk about this part of that lake now. But according to Paiute legend... Pyramid Lake was actually made from the tears of Stone Mother. Oh. And so I'm going to tell that legend. That's very interesting. I just, I'd never heard of it. So I refer to the man as man because I don't know his name. I just said man the whole time. Mm -hmm. So um, also because there was a quote I was going off of for this story. I tried to paraphrase it, but the first sentence was, there was a man known as the father of all natives. Um, in the area. Um, and so I just call him man. So he was known as the father of all natives. He came to the area and he lived in the mountains. And while he was here, he met a woman in town. And this woman liked him, but was married to someone else named Bear, which is a dope name. That's my dad's nickname. <laughs> he goes by Bear. Just fun fact. <laughs> fun fact for everybody. Little Bernie Bear. Um, he literally signs his emails with a emoji of a bear. He discovered so emojis sweet. this year. Yeah, he loves it. That's actually pretty heart melting. Um, <laughs> you should have really stopped there when you were introducing him to people. It just been like the, end. <laughs> the guy who signs himself as an emoji. Also, I try. Nothing else happens. That's- I try, but then he shows up on his e bike, and I'm like, I can't control his actions. You know. Wow. Now that I know that. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, sorry, Bear, yeah. Got so, it. Man, who's the father of all, meets this woman when he comes into the area. And the woman likes him, likes him, but she's mm-hmm. already married to Bear. I guess they're having right. some troubles at home. And she's looking for a way out. Uh, and Bear could sense this. He was very jealous of the man. Oh, no. So, one day, Bear and the woman uh, got in a fight, I assume over the man. I'm not sure, though. And she ended up winning the fight. She knocked him down and killed him with a club. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Women. And (laughs) uh, she ran off and she was like, I'm going to go find the man. And she knew that he lived in, I think it was called Stillwater Mountain in the area. She's like, I'm going to go find him. So during her, let me, I feel like my mouth feels dry, which means people's ears are probably bleeding. So let me. Oh, I don't hear it, but you do you. So uh, part of the legend is is all of her travels and what she experiences on her quest to find the man in the mountain. Sure. One of them happens to be that she found a giant who wanted to eat her. So she killed him by turning oh. him into stone. So she's two for two on the murder so far. Oh, no. Um, but she turned him into stone. And you can apparently still see him today. So there's a rock formation oh. that's known as the giant that tried to kill the woman. So finally, she gets to Stillwater Mountain where the man is. And once she sees him, she hides from him because she's afraid that he won't like her back. Oh. So, which is Wait. <laughs> very, uh, it's like very it's somehow typical behavior of what all of us have done at some point, like working yeah. really hard to get to that one thing, but then you won't follow through at the end. Yeah. Yep. You're too scared. <laughs> so, uh, so she's hiding and 
at some point he sees like the woman's tracks and is like, can you just come out? I know someone's hiding. (laughs) (laughs) You're not great at hiding. It really feels like in high school when you like hide behind your own locker, but you're also much wider than a locker and everyone. (laughs) And like your feet are on the ground. Yeah. (laughs) Wide open and an empty hall. (laughs) And the guy's like, I see. I see you. Can you just talk to me? Um, So she climbs out of her little hiding spot and uh, he sees that she's really tired from her travel, asks her to stay and if she wants any food. And while uh, he's feeding her, he asks her to stay with him in the mountains. I think that means indefinitely, not like, hey, you want to hook up. I think it means Uh more intimate than like you trying to. Yeah. Not go home tonight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wetting the whistle. I think it's wet the whistle. I don't want to even do that because my whistle isn't wet enough. Um, Don't do that. (laughs) Never mind. She ends up staying the night. But first of all, imagine I I'm sure there's like some really like wonderful part to this legend. But the way that I was trying to paraphrase it makes it sound like it's like kind of sillier than it might be. Or maybe it's meant to be silly. I'm not totally sure of the context here, but I got a chuckle out of it. I don't know who I'm supposed to. So sorry if that's offensive, but he asks her to stay the night, but then she like refuses to be anywhere near him. So she sleeps outside by the fire. And then every night that she stays, it's she gets closer and closer to him every night. Like she's learning to trust him, but it was just like, she's sleeping by the fire and then she won't go in the house, but she's sleeping by the door. And it's like, I'm imagining like this guy's perspective of like, wow, I invited this girl to stay. And she like, (laughs) imagine a tinder date or i guess if it's not supposed to be a hookup or whatever but imagine having someone stay over for the first time and she's like i'm gonna fall asleep on the floor by the door over here outside (laughs) in the front yard just go home at that point it's okay like i'll call you tomorrow but anyway as time goes on she gets closer and closer almost as if she's learning to trust him more and more and when i say as time goes on i mean five days alone like not even not even a full week by the fifth day, she marries him. Oh. So, so her <laughs> trust level went from literally negative a million to a thousand real quick. Um, so I guess he was doing something right. She was probably like, this guy doesn't think I'm weird for sleeping by the fire. So I guess it's a great test. She was testing him all along. Ladies, um, ladies and gays, if gays, days and ladies, why, why am I saying that? If you really want to test your man, sleep outside on your first night together. And yeah. don't, he's not welcome. You, the further away, you just make him sleep outside. This sounds exhausting and cold. That's actually that's the new age mm-hmm. version. That's, that's yeah, I see. Okay, twenty one <laughs> thinking right there. Okay, so kick him out of his own house, make him sleep <laughs> in nature, and you sleep on his bed, comfy. And then in five days, if it works, you know he's the one. Marry him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Or marry him if you're that quick to rush into things. And also don't tell anyone we told you to do that because it seems like terrible. Advice. Another thing you should not tag us in on Twitter after this episode. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, they get married. They have kids, I guess, on day six at this point. I don't know. <laughs> um, but their firstborn is a like a troublemaker, like not a, not a cool dude. Uh-oh. Apparently, they have a lot of kids. A few of them are troublemakers and a few of them are not. And one day, the troublemakers and the non-troublemakers started... Uh, getting in a fight or they were just like sibling banter and the man got really frustrated and decided he was going to separate them which like that sounds fair like okay you Mm -hmm. go in this corner you go in this corner time out time out as in like you go over there and take a breather and later you come back no (laughs) oh oh no okay to separate them 
Oh, no. And so this is a quote from him, which like sounds exactly like something my fucking mother would say to me. I want you to think Uh-oh. of the most culturally Jewish woman with her wonderful like ability to guilt her child into anything. Ready? I'm ready. I'm going to separate you now. I shall go up to my home in the sky. And when you die, you will come to me. <laughs> I will be in my home in the sky and I want you to think about what you've done to send me there. My mother's like, think of your dead mother while you disappoint me while you're at it. You're sending me to an early grave. Oh my God. It's the most motherly guilt trip ever. There are so many times in my childhood where I can think of the most mere inconvenience I gave my mother and she's like, I'm going to die one day. And you know what? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm not alone here. I feel like there's quite a few cultures where uh, Uh there are, it's known to like, oh, your mother's going to really make you fucking hate yourself for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll still tell her today, I'm like, you destroyed me. And she'll be like, I did nothing. Also, I can't grow. So don't say things like that to me now. How how could you even say such a thing? Yeah, my mother still is like, I would never say that. And I'm like, (laughs) what do you think I just make it all up? She's like, yes. I think you invented all of it. My mom's like, where did I go wrong? And I'm like, hmm. Uh, let me count the ways. Take that scroll that weighs 50 pounds and throw it into the school that I step by step. Uh, throw it into her house in the sky or whatever well, the hell. I truly, I mean, this couldn't sound more like my mother. And when I say couldn't, I don't mean like hypothetically, like this is something my mother has said to me. I'm going to go to my house in the sky. I'm going to die now because I can't tolerate you. And oh, when you come no. up, maybe you'll feel bad by then. Um, okay, here's the full quote. I'm going to separate you now. I shall go up to my home in the sky. When you die, you'll come to me. All you have to do is, then it gets like really existential. All you have to do is follow the dusty road, which apparently is the Milky Way. Mm -hmm. And you will reach my home where I shall be waiting. Someday I hope that you will all come to your senses and live together in peace. So it like ends on a, yeah, exactly. That's how they get you, Christine. That is, oh no, it's working. It It went Always. I'm going to die. And this isn't even manipulative or toxic, but also I'm going to finish this off with something that's warm. <laughs> and now what are you going to do? Anyway, bye. Anyway, now I'm going to get away with it a hundred more times in your childhood. Okay. Oh, no. So true, like old school father fashion, he takes the troublemaker kids and tells them to go West. And then they never come back. Oh, bye. <laughs> I guess. He was like, get the troublemakers out of here. The ones that haven't caused me trouble, you can stay. But then they have this like additional guilt because he's like, take care of your mother. And then he basically dies. Okay. He he walks up the mountains by himself and eventually walks so high he reaches the sky. And I think that's kind of like a leaving earth. He's he's leaving. But it's just like, okay, you go over there and never return. You take care of your mother because I'm not here anymore. Also, I'm going to die. Catch me when you can. Catch me later. But I th- I mean, it's just like, I, I know that this, I'm not trying to poke too much fun at this story, but it's just like that particular part, I read it in like the middle, so of, I read it in the middle of the night and I was like, am I reading my diary? What is happening? <laughs> You're reading my diary. Walk up the Milky Way and you'll find me <laughs> amongst the stars. The dusty road leads. It's a Green Day lyric, actually. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's a, I understand the message. That's, it's, that's not totally passing me, but it was just like. I was really invested in this story, but then it was a bunch of sharp turns of like, she's outside, but then they're married, but then they have kids, but then the dad like f- goes into the sky. That's goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is very relatable. Wow. So I I really, if 
I really hope I'm not upsetting anybody by poking fun at it. I I don't at all mean that it's not an no, it's a great story. important story. It's just I'm seeing some inconsistencies and it's kind of wild. Anyway, so the the troublemakers who went off to the west, that story tells the history of how the Pit Rivers tribe was created apparently because the all the people out west they originally came from this area but then they moved west so oh i think i i hope i'm not butchering that but the story goes that the children who went off built their own tribe and they became the sure. revers but then the people who stayed home are the people who became the paiutes the good guys by the way i love that they're like we're the non-troublemakers yeah that's, <laughs> I, I i didn't i read that too and i was like hmm, i wonder if there's a little like friendly rivalry between uh-huh. them. <laughs> but so anyway he walks up the mountains and up into the sky. So the Paiutes, the children that were still at home, they were apparently, you know, still not tr- making any trouble. They were, uh, you know, strong together as a family. But the whole time the mother mourned over her children who went west. I mean, she lost her kids. Right. Which also then, like, let's talk about the toxic par- father figure there of like, I'm going to rip your children away from you. Oh, true. Which I don't even know if that's something that was considered at this time. But I read it in the mindset of a 2021 person and i was like oh i don't know about that <laughs> yeah 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 it's troubling um but so she mourned her children going out west and never coming back she cried and cried and cried and she apparently cried more and more each day so one Aww. day the woman goes out to the mountain and she's looking towards the pit river land and she just sat there and cried until her tears formed a lake which became pyramid lake oh i just got a little goose cam i know so she sat there and cried for so long that she herself turned to stone and she still sits there to this day. And there is a rock formation at Pyramid Lake called Stone Mother. Wow. That's such a cool story. Yeah. I have like chill. Like, Me I mean, too. it becomes really powerful. I mean, it's, it a, it's so anyway, it, it tells the story of how this lake came to be um, right. is what I was trying to get at. So another fun fact is apparently on the longest day of the year, the public near pyramid lake will all gather together or they're invited to gather i don't know if this is like a real annual thing or it's i'm I'm not sure how often it really happens but the public is known to gather around stone mother and the pyramid lake area to pray for healing which is really sweet oh so there's an anthropology paper called questions of sovereignty pyramid lake and the northern paiute struggle for water and rights and so here's a quote from some of the paiute tribe council members as of 2010 The water is our life. Our being was created by the stone mother. It has always been our main goal to take care of the water creatures. The lake is everything. The lake provides a spiritual foundation for our people and every aspect of the lake is tied into our lives, faith, and identity. So the water is super important. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's the pyramid lake is still known to have like crystal clear water and really amazing fishing, but because it's still a reservation, you need a permit to even visit. So I, oh, okay. I think that's one of the reasons why it's probably so well preserved because you can't just waltz on over and well, that's yeah probably for the best yeah for sure so the lake is also full of some lore slash mystery slash oohs and ahs mainly pyramid lake is said to have been the home of or still the home of a mermaid oh Ooh, wow. ah. oh by the way, follow us on Cameo, everyone. I just got a notification that someone asked for a Cameo. So. Oh, nice. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's... I, never mind. Um, okay. <laughs> I was just going to get on a, on a rant, and I'm just like trying to try to look professional here. LOL. Oh, you we're doing a great job. Um, but no. So anyway, if you would like a personal shout out from us, you can book us on Cameo. 
shameless plug. <laughs> um, yeah, so many many of the legends have something to do with either a mermaid or a mermaid-like creature. So apparently the native legend to this is that the mermaid was this gorgeous, you know, mermaid, lady, lady fish. Uh, and she married a member of uh, one of the locals in the Paiute tribe. They were madly in love, but the tribe disapproved of them being together and banished the mermaid to keep her away from one of their own and her husband. Oh, okay. So she was super bitter, obviously, and she vowed revenge on any member of the Paiute tribe who ever comes near Pyramid Lake. A vengeful ladyfish sounds terrifying. Hell hath no fury like a womanfish (laughs) unscorned. I say it, I've I've said it before. Say unscorned. (laughs) A ladyfish scorned. Oh, shit. Look, you know what? I had the confidence. I'm sure an unscorned ladyfish is also extremely dangerous. I, I had the bravado, and that's what matters. So, I, yeah, I mean, I I felt it in my soul. You know, I mean, good. So, leave me alone. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll so apparently, uh, yeah. So, a vengeful mermaid who is not a fan of the Paiute tribe, right, is what I'm taking away from that. She's still said to wander the shores, which makes me wonder how she's wandering without legs. But oh. maybe she's just kind of swimming in the in the low tide, very scary, <laughs> rolling around. Oh god! She is apparently always waiting for someone of the Paiute tribe to appear and do some sort of bad luck on them, I suppose. Or so apparently, the Paiutes who live near the area, though, or at least in today's world, have a different version, or at least according to the Paiute tribe museum, and they also have a visitor center. They say the story is different, where this literally starts on the California coast, and while on a family vacation, a Paiute man met and fell in love with a mermaid-like creature from Cali. Oh my god. OMG, those Cali girls will get you every time. She's like, OMG, are you a Paiute? I love you. So. We're unforgettable. (laughs) Days Yeah, you know? I know. That song was actually written about a mermaid, so. That's right. That's what Snoop said. That's... I I said it here to first. Me. Oh, said it to you first. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So a Paiute man fell in love with a mermaid-like creature. So I'm not sure how mermaid she was. Maybe she was just like one of those girls who loves mermaid stuff a little too much. Oh, the sushi where she laid on the uh-huh. thing and they put sushi on her. She tummy. like she's de- decorates her whole home with like seashells. Hmm. Um. That's probably what it is. Maybe. So. Uh, he proposed to her and brought her to uh, Pyramid Lake to meet his tribe, but they told him to bring her back to the sea. Yikes. Oh, ouch. <laughs> what, what a, what a harsh thing to say. Uh, and so apparently she cursed them. And soon after this happened, two Paiute women were washing their clothes in the river. One of them had a baby with them. And she, uh, so she kept the baby uh, kind of perched under a tree while they were washing their clothes in the river just to keep an eye on the baby. Mm-hmm. Apparently, at one point when they weren't looking, this snake thing came out of the river. Uh-oh. Um, this is where I get confused because I thought we were talking about a mermaid, but now we're now it's t- turned into a snake. Okay, well, mermaid-like. Mermaid-like, yeah, scales. It's a snake. <laughs> it's actually a large... <laughs> he fell in love with a large snake. Let's all just say it. Well, if she was cursing them, maybe she, like, had it, like, she, like, was personality-wise a snake. You know, like, they tweet out sure, like, yes. snake emoji when, like... Snake in the grass. Can't yep. be trusted. Uh-huh. Snake in the lake. Snake in the lake. That's what I always say. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe part demon. 
Oh, okay. That's good. So I don't know how we're going to frame that into the, the theory we just came up with. But Yikes. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So, okay, just to recap, because it's a lot. So this specific story goes that a guy brought the mermaid to his tribe. They said, bring her back to sea. And she cursed them. And soon after this, two women who were washing clothes in the river, one with a baby under the tree, there was a snake that came out of the water when they weren't looking, who ate the baby. <gasps> oh, my God. Then we think it's like magical or demonic in some way because the snake then turned into a baby. Oh, what? So it like took its place, like shapeshifted, made it look like it was their baby. Maybe the mermaid ate a snake, became a snake, then (gasps) ate the baby, then became a baby. Oh my god, did you just solve history? Okay. I mean, I maybe that's just the story, and we just didn't get it. But I mean, that makes more sense than anything that was going on in my head, which was just (laughs) tumbleweed. Um, (laughs) So the snake forms into the baby. So the the women don't know that anything ever happened to the baby yeah after they've washed their clothes the woman that was the baby's mother decides oh my baby needs to be breastfed Mm -hmm. so she puts this snake demon baby Uh up to her naked chest and it bites down with a real vengeance oh no oh no and now we have a true crime on our hands so oh no (laughs) um basically it's so bad that they now run from the river to the tribe. Imagine having a baby and a baby snake hybrid biting down on you there so intensely that you also run oh God. to the public and everyone sees this 
thing dangling off of you. And so all the tribe members are desperate to release the baby's grip off of her, but they can't do it. So they call for a medicine man who apparently made a deal with the snake. The medicine man was like, aha, that looks like a demon. I got it. (laughs) And told the snake, if the woman can be fine, you let go of the woman and she's restored back to health, then you can be free to live in the lake and we won't bother you. Okay. So the first story is kind of like there's a, a mermaid that is in the water. The second story I told is that a something serpent mermaidy like is in the water, but was banished to the water, banished or agreed with, made a deal with the devil. But in both versions, it's something mermaid like, and it's a dark presence or provides a curse to the lake. Right. So that's one creature that they think is in the lake. Another creature that's in the lake. They are called water babies. Uh-oh. Have you heard of these? It sounds really familiar, yes. There's a reason you might think it sounds familiar. Okay. So, water babies. Apparently, these are humanoid creatures with webbed hands, so they move through the water. Yes. Which also sounds kind of mermaid-like, so I'm not sure if water babies and mermaids are separate in terms of creatures in the lake, or if they're seen as two different creatures that live amongst each other. Right. But it's a it's a humanoid water creature. They are said to be vengeful, and they're said to be responsible for all negative events. So, like, equipment malfunctions or boating accidents or disappearances. Mm-hmm. So, it might actually probably, it sounds similar to the mermaid thing. So, that might this might just be another theory of what the creature is. Mm-hmm. Some say that the water babies target fishermen and drown them, uh, which is terrible. There was a YouTube video about water babies, and one of the commenters said, Water babies just want to hug you around the neck. <laughs> Right, under the water. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh-huh, you're spot on. So some also say that if you hear or see a water baby, you'll just have bad luck. Um, and others say that they are known to steal children. Oh good. I mean they really run the gamut. Either it's bad luck or like horrible crimes against your children. Yeah. So that's why apparently one of the legends is a lot of people will say they hear a crying baby near the lake and you try to go save it, but they're luring you into the water to drown you. Oh, no. Uh, so the water babies apparently take three different forms. There's the younglings, the braves, and the elders. So it just kind of sounds like they're aging over time. But um, right. the younglings apparently are known as chubby not really pretty, but they have an irresistible charm. And I was like, okay, you don't have to really call me out. Me. Oh. <laughs> Evan Christine. Yeah. And so, and apparently as they get older, they become prettier. So like the baby, they're like, it literally said, not as pretty as the elders. <laughs> oh, okay. Rude. Uh, the Braves are androgynous teenagers. I was like, okay. okay. Sounds like everyone else these days. Yeah. Uh, they like lightweight clothes that are easy to slip off so they can get into the water faster. Checks out. Yeah. And they are amongst all three of the types of water babies. They are the most good. They are oh. the most likely to punish people for doing something wrong. Um, they'll play harmless pranks. There's one story that people went out and like had uh, traps for foxes and stuff. And when they woke up the next morning, all the boxes were stacked like it was just like little <laughs> things like that, and I, I'm sure that maybe in some way that was punishing wrongdoing because you were catching animals or something. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but they do little pranks and they're least likely to harm you. And then there's the elders that are also androgynous, 
and drift in and out of consciousness for most of their time. They're more concerned with the spirit world than the physical world. Oh, okay. Yeah. So interesting. If you see a water baby, that's what each of them are about. I guess each of them will also drown you. I'm Uh (laughs) not totally sure like which one is the one that's going to hurt you. I would imagine the younglings since they're the ones that look the most like babies. Right. But maybe they just become less, they have less murder homicidal tendencies uh, as they age. Oh, that's nice. So fun fact, water babies aren't just in Pyramid Lake, but apparently they're also in a random area of Idaho on a, a thing called Massacre Rocks. Oh, dear. Which, like, it sounds like a terrible band. Uh, <laughs> it does. But uh, it's, so these rocks are called Massacre Rocks uh, oh, in Idaho, and they're, it's also said to be haunted by water babies, actually. So in the two places where they're best known, they are said to haunt those areas. This area, just to give some information real quick, when the natives lived there, there was severe famine and the villagers decided they didn't have enough food anymore to feed new mouths. Uh-oh. And just to, I'm trying to fill in why it's called massacre rocks. Yeah. Um, so as new babies were being born, because they already decided there wasn't enough food left to feed these mouths, if women were having babies, they were forced to go drown them. Oh, God. So that they wouldn't end up dying anyway from starvation. It was seen as like the swifter death. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently there it's also haunted because fishermen will hear babies crying at night and they'll go out to save them. And it's one of the reasons that that lore has stayed consistent is because allegedly every spring there's at least one fisherman who drowns and the lore kind of continues through that. I mean, it could just be that it's likely someone's going to drown if enough people are out in the water every spring, but they, it gets perpetuated Mm -hmm, that way. mm -hmm. So anyway, why you might think that Water Babies sounds similar or familiar to you is because it was actually a kid's movie in 1978. So it was an older movie movie for us, but it was uh, from the UK and then it came to the US a year later. But it was one of those really cool, back when they just discovered like how to do live action and put cartoons in the live action. So it looked like like a Roger Rabbit situation. It was one of those movies. Here's the synopsis. This is from Wikipedia. You can just go find this. But I just wanted to read the storyline of Water Babies to you. When a 12-year-old chimney sweep, a 12-year-old chimney sweep. They were were little because they had to climb through the chimney. They had to be children usually because they had to get in the chimney. Sorry, fun fact. That is a fun fact. Also, (laughs) child labor laws, but okay. Well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So when a 12-year-old chimney sweep named Tom is wrongfully blamed for being a thief, he makes a run for it with his dog, Toby, and they end up jumping into a river. I think what this synopsis isn't saying in between sentences is that they might have almost drowned. Uh Uh-oh. They encounter anthropomorphic underwater creatures, and before he can return to the surface and clear his name, Tom must rescue his friends, the water babies, from the enslavement of sharks. Yikes. Oh my god, what? I like how you're like, that's how Christine knows these things. Like, what on God's green earth? I saw a picture of the actual movie, and it looked real fucking creepy, and I was like, this looks like something Bernie, the bear, by the way, would just, like, play on you in your house. Oh yeah, he did try to find the most traumatic films and just play them over and over. I'm looking it up water baby. Eat these dried blueberries <laughs> and watch a movie about the enslavement of these little okay, water babies this is from sharks. Terrible. I'm looking at it now and I'm actually frightened. Uh no, I definitely Does it not look like something Renata and Bernie would give it you? It sounds to like watch. something all my German relatives probably watched in ger- dubbed in German, which makes it even scarier. It, 
looks like a cautionary tale about maybe drowning or child labor laws or sharks but thieving from chimneys yeah i mean there's a lot of options here oh god so that movie was actually based on a book from the 1860s oh so charles kingsley wrote the book the water babies a fairy tale for a land baby which i think is hysterical that's cute and the book was originally actually like a satire I think it was like a like a weekly article or something. It was like meant for a magazine and they it would they would write in these little passages about the water babies and then eventually it became its own book and that book is what inspired the movie. Okay. But the whole point of it ever even being created in the 1860s or why they were writing the satire for this as an entry for this magazine. The Water Babies were originally a way for the author, Charles Kingsley, to support Darwin during the time that The Origin of Species came out. Interesting. Okay. I'm not going to get into it, but let's just say it is um, outdated. Oh, is it? It's from the 1860s. A few, several groups of people might feel insulted by the things. Oh, okay. Great. But anyway, so the the actual book itself is about Tom, a young chimney sweep who falls into a river oh. and is turned into a water baby and is given a bunch of different like moral life lessons. And then when he passes the test, he becomes a human again. Okay. What I thought was funny about this, because I was reading the synopsis, I just pulled all this about the book from Wikipedia. You can go find this if you'd like. But you know how in all of these like fairy tale stories, there's like a wizard or like a wise sage that's supposed to guide uh-huh. your guide. So, oh God, what was it? They were th- they were three fairies, and the fairies' names were Mrs. Do as you would be done by. Oh my God! Stop it, <laughs> Mrs. Be done by as you did. Shut up. And Mother Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mother Carrie. <laughs> you are like, okay, we have enough golden rules in there. You just show up. Oh, poor thing. So anyway, another couple little like fun quips I liked from this from the book is that apparently after he becomes human again, uh, there's another main character in the book named Ellie. And it's said that they never get married because in fairy tales, the trope of like the prince and the princess get married. In the book, it says that Tom and Ellie never got married because quote in fairy tales, no one beneath a prince or princess ever marries. And I was like, that's a weird jab at fairy tales, but also funny. Yeah. Okay. I guess. <laughs> and so uh, I thought that was an, at least an interesting way to end it versus like they lived happily ever after. It is. Instead of happily ever after Tom became a great man of science. Okay. Okay. And since then it has been adapted into multiple musicals and radio series. So why are people obsessed with these water babies? They're freaking me out. What a concept. So anyway, what real, concept? real quick before uh, before I end, I'll say, so Pyramid Lake was fed by the Truckee River. This is just like another weird little theory. And people are like, what? I don't understand how this is possible. Okay. It's fed through by the Truckee River, which is basically outflow from Lake Tahoe. So oh, okay. Lake Tahoe, Truckee River, and then it feeds into Pyramid Lake from the south but it only comes in that way but then pyramid lake doesn't have an outlet after that so the water all becomes evaporation over time so there's no water that would be passing through on the other end sure but bodies that have disappeared at pyramid lake are being found in other bodies of water (gasps) where water isn't flowing to have brought the body there what so they're like if it's evaporating there's no water to push it into these bodies yeah. we're finding the bodies later hasn't happening so their 
not totally sure. So like a couple of uh, most of the bodies have resurfaced in Lake Tahoe, which was like over 60 miles away. And they're like, how, how the fuck is this happening? The rumor is that there must be underground tunnels that we don't know of that are connected to two <sighs> bodies of water, but there's no real. Um, the one of the local rumors is that Jacques Cousteau himself explored this lake in the 70s. And whatever he saw down there, we're assuming that these tunnels are. He was exploring them in a, like a little mini submarine in the 70s. And when he came back up, he was like really obviously shaken by whatever oh. he saw. And they were like, what's going on? And he said, this world isn't ready for what's down there. What? Okay. Now, but that is a fun way to kind of get some notoriety. You just go somewhere and turn around and go, you're not ready. And everyone's like, what did she see? I hope Jacques Cousseau was just taking that submarine ride and was down there so fucking bored. And when he woke exactly. up, he was like, I'm going to freak everyone out and yes. never say a goddamn word. That's just like the ultimate move. Yeah. But just to like confirm that, though, there are other divers in Pyramid Lake who have been said to have their diving gear ripped off unexplainably. Oh, dear. And they've uh, apparently these divers also said, you don't want to see what I saw down there. So okay, I love how everyone's like, I saw it, but I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> it's like, wait, no, 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 that's not how it works. The most equipped therapist on earth can't rattle me. Yeah. I'm never gonna tell. <laughs> so anyway, whatever's down there maybe is attributed to underground tunnels or how things are getting moved through the lake. There's the mermaids, there's the water babies, there's also, uh, last but not least, their version. I feel like every fucking lake has one of these. A sister monster to Nessie, to Loch Ness. Oh, yes. Uh, and so this is the Tahoe Tessie. Oh, I've heard of that. So just to do a, a quick little feature on Tessie, Tessie dates back to the Paiutes. Oh. And apparently even the Paiutes said that Tessie was so, I don't know if they called. Probably Tessie. not. <laughs> <laughs> Old Tess, you know her. <laughs> they said that this creature was so highly regarded that speaking of them was unthinkable. Like it was just something you didn't fucking do. Oh, wow. Okay. Get Tess's name out of your mouth. <laughs> I wonder if that is connected to like the serpent thing that is like bad luck. Oh, true. True, 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 true. So maybe they were like, we just don't even want to test it. No. Um, apparently, if you did talk about the creature, it could cause blindness or death. Oh, well, I mean, that explains it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that alone sounds like bad luck to me. Yep. Fun fact, Tessie is still spotted today, but there was some sources that say that you can only see Tessie in June during even numbered years. <laughs> okay. That seems interesting. Um, <laughs> okay. More believable, in, more believable in one way and a lot less believable in another way. Yeah, it's, it's strange. Yeah, it's unique. Also, the sightings are the people that still see them or report seeing something say that it's a snake-like being that surfaces and then disappears again into the water. So very Nessie tendencies. Yeah. One of the local business owners actually saw Tessie in the mid-80s while doing a commercial shoot, which had to probably be very fun. Oh, yeah. People describe this thing as a large snake up to 20 feet, and some have reported that the monster makes wakes in the water the size <sighs> of a boat. So Wow. Boat-sized wakes next to boats is pretty terrifying. And the thing that's most interesting is a lot of people have reported that it has a surprisingly small head for how big its body is. And, <laughs> and the head moves up and down, unlike a snake that would move from side to side. Yeah, true. So that's why they think it's serpent-like, but they don't want to call it a 20-foot snake. Which either way, wow. terrifying. I don't know which one I would prefer. Yeah, same, same. Both bad. So there are so many reports of Tessie that Pyramid Lake ended up actually, or Lake Tahoe in general, ended up being uh, the place 
that was decided on for the location of a global conference in 2004, where they did discuss things like Tessie in one of their in one of their lectures about unidentified swimming objects or USOs. Oh, love that. So apparently all these creatures can be identified as USOs. Um, love it. Which I wish like 210 episodes ago I knew because that would have explained, that would have helped me explain a lot of things. <laughs> so if the theory about underwater tunnels is true, this was something they talked about at this lecture. If the theory about underwater tunnels is true, then that could explain that one, there might be more than one Tessie and two, it could explain how we only see them sometimes because they might have another home and they just travel back and forth as they please. Wow. Again, just like Nessie, a lot of people think that the most likely thing is that Tessie is either mud in the water or a freshwater eel or probably a large sturgeon, which <laughs> it's always a sturgeon, which at this moment, I would also like to call out the person on Reddit who was very obviously uh, trying to give me like a subtle, not so subtle wave because I follow uh, my Christian stories, obviously. So the Duggars have, there's a one called Duggar snark on Reddit that I'm, <laughs> that I follow where it's just a bunch of people like me who watch them out of horror. And, uh, someone so i told you last time we talked about sturgeons yeah that one of the duggars had a baby and named him spurgeon <laughs> and then we had a whole episode called the surgeon sturgeon named spurgeon right right someone in dugger snark within the last month posted about that duggar's child and literally referred to him as the surgeon sturgeon named spurgeon oh and i was like i see what you're up to i am not gonna call myself out though because i don't want people knowing what my username on reddit is but i do want you to know that i heard you it's water baby four four <laughs> it's, it's rice pudding nine and i'm always crazy four 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 shut up <laughs> but um but yeah so i did see what you did there i recognize you and i hear you but i am not going to out myself on reddit thank you Amazing. And that's the story of Pyramid Lake with a cameo from Tessie and the surgeon surgeon named Spurgeon. And water babies. Yay! And water babies. I love that you mentioned Truckee River because as I was looking at the water babies picture, which looks like a creepy baby doll floating in the water, uh, I was thinking about Truckee, who was my sister's doll when she was a baby. She named her doll Truckee. And uh, she drag it around by its feet and just like throw it and stuff and uh so she would freak out anytime anybody like went near it or like took a seat or anything like that and then she would like hurl it across the room and my mom would go Francisca like treat her nicely and she's like she's just a doll mom but then um Girl. you know if if she wanted to keep her seat or whatever she'd be like you're hurting Chucky's feelings I love how she would use it as like almost like a uh like you know how little kids are just the devil yeah like, yes <laughs> It's like a little manipulation tool of like, oh, this is always. just a doll until it's going to help me out. Until I need it to be a real person. Yeah. Right. But Trucky is what she named her doll. And then she would get new dolls and every single one was named Trucky. So Aww. now we call dolls Trucky. So when you said Trucky, I was like looking at the water babies and going like, this is too close to home. I have a, and I was going to say we as a collective, I'm an only child though. So just <laughs> I. me, myself and I, uh, <laughs> In the in the house growing up when I was a little kid, me and my parents would call blankets buja because <laughs> apparently before I I, bef I would call blankets buja before I could say blanket, and they knew I was talking about blankets because anytime I would point at something and want it or I would you know be screaming for a blanket, 
the only thing that would stop me from crying is if they gave me a blanket after I was calling out for a buzzer. Right. And so, um, yeah, blankets or bujas. I have no idea how it's spelt. I like to think there's three Z's and a silent X. <laughs> um, you tell me. Oh, I love it. Sounds like bougie. A little close. I never even thought of that. Uh, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Know. I was like, "M, you would." Oh, I was thinking like zhuzh, like a zhuzha. Yeah, bougie and zhuzh. If we uh, get me a bujja next year that says bougie, and I can have a bougie bujja, I'm gonna okay. lose my yeah. fucking mind. And you have to zhuzh it up because it's the the Fab Five are coming over. Bedazzle it, and we would have you a- gotta zhuzh your bougie bujja. Oh my god, this is giving me I, headache. My my. You can, can, do, can just go. Just do your thing. I am okay. losing it. Holy crap. I don't know what happened there. My brain really just got <laughs> really overwhelmed. Oh, that happens on this show. Okay. <laughs> so I have a story for you that I've wanted to cover for a long time. And it is a an Ohio story. Oh, my gosh. And it is the kidnapping of Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina DeJesus in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, I don't know. I was hoping it would be something I knew. You might know it when we start talking about it okay. timeline-wise because it was huge news a few years ago. Oh, okay. And uh, it was pretty dramatic when it happened. So maybe you'll remember. But Okay. So. Whew. I know real quick. I really am digging little baby Krampus. And I know. Look, I put him behind. Uh, put him on my geo shrine here. Sweet. I know. Look at that. Oh, what a good boy. That was a good boy. So let's see. I'm going to start with Michelle Knight. So 21-year-old Michelle Knight was at a family dollar store in Cleveland, Ohio on August 23, 2002, asking for directions from the store clerk when a man offered to help her. She recognized the man as Ariel Castro, an elementary school bus driver and the father of one of her friends. Okay. He said to her, I know where it's at. I can take you straight to it. It'll only take me five minutes. So Michelle agrees. Okay. Little did she know that this would be pretty much the last time she saw the outside world for many, many years. Oh, okay. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. I thought I thought you were just going to say, little did she know this was her, it was going to not be a good day. And I was like, well, we've got that. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that, but I thought I'd be a little more dramatic. Um, it worked. I'm intrigued, definitely. Okay, good. So, Michelle had a tough time growing up. She recalls, growing up in Cleveland, I loved the area. It was really beautiful, but I hated my home life. So, she had a really hard childhood. She and her family lived in their car for a while. When they did move into a house, it was big, but didn't really have anything in it. There wasn't a couch. They didn't have a stove to cook food on. Um, they actually cooked their food on a space heater, and Michelle remembered that it took four hours to cook one hot dog for the family. So, Jeez. they didn't really have any comforts, could barely, you know, sustain the family. So with the family situation, uh, Michelle kind of became the maternal figure to her younger siblings. And uh, Michelle at one point was interviewed in 2000. So before all of this, before this story took place, back in 2000, she had been interviewed and she told the story of helping deliver her brother when he was born. So she was like a grown up real fast. Yeah. So she had experienced severe emotional and physical abuse. Um, a male relative sexually abused her when she was about 12 years old. So at 14, she ran away feeling safer on the streets than she did at home. Um, she actually slept inside a – she slept under park benches for a while. Then she ended up sleeping inside a trash can. She was only four foot two and was able to get a blanket in the trash can, and that's where she slept. And by the way, Cleveland is 
fucking cold. It's one of like the coldest towns because uh, it's right on the lake. So it's a very cold ass place. So she slept in a trash can for for a while. She also found solace in a Baptist church, which she was drawn to because of the music. And she went regularly. But unfortunately, at one point, one of the churchgoers recognized her and called her father. So Michelle's dad picked her up and she was forced to return to high school where she was like an outcast and she was bullied pretty drastically. She she had kind of a terrible time. And so she connected with a guy, an older boy at school, and they began a sexual relationship. And that was kind of her like safe haven. But soon she discovered she was pregnant and she said she wanted to be the best mom. She wanted to be a better mother than her mother was. And so eventually she gave birth to her son, Joey. And it was, as you can probably imagine, really difficult. Uh, She had to go out and find jobs to be able to afford, you know, taking care of Joey. Um, She often had to leave her son with her mother and her mother's boyfriend because she had to work. But unfortunately, her mother's boyfriend was very abusive. And at one point, he was drunk and grabbed Joey by the leg and fractured his knee um, when he was a baby. So she had to take him to the hospital, meaning social services got involved and they took Joey and put him into foster care. So despite Michelle trying to be, you know, the best mom, you know, she just couldn't make ends meet because her own parents were abusive to their grandchild. Every fucking time, I think... It's going to get better. You Uh just say. Why would you think that (laughs) at this point in our also, Especially when the end of the story is she wouldn't be seeing the sun for (laughs) some years. Exactly. Exactly. Why did I have This is just background. This isn't even like the story. This is just like her background, which is just terrifying. Her actual life sounds like a whole crime. Yeah, like Like, exactly like its own fucking story. Okay. So on her way to uh, a case management meeting, she stopped at the family do- at a local family dollar store because she was lost and thought she needed to ask for some directions. So while she was asking for directions, a man named Ariel Castro, her friend's father, came up and said, hey, it'll take me five minutes to show you where you need to go. Got it. But instead of driving to the family court where she was due to see Joey, he took her to his home. And his explanation was that he had to pick up his daughter, her friend. And while he was at it, he wanted to show her some puppies. So classic. Uh, His textbook, textbook. His daughter, not surprisingly, did not live with him. And even more shockingly, there were no puppies. Um, So once they were inside the house, he said to Michelle, you're not going to leave for a long time. Good night. Okay. I know. Well, he really just went from... I'm keeping this low key to welcome to hell. Like welcome no, to hell. Yeah. No warm up. No. Nope. Wow. Just straight there. Horrifying. Wow. So he said, you're not going to leave for a long time. And then he started undressing himself. And as Michelle remembered, she dropped to the floor, begging him to let her go. She took out a photo of Joey and said, I need to get my son. This can't happen. I need to get to my son. And he ripped the picture of Joey up in front of her and said, you will never see him again whoa i mean it's just like i'm like on page one of the story and it's just like zero to 100 already i mean i don't know if it's the adhd meds but goose cam yeah me too i mean it's I, i'm not on adhd meds so okay, don't so worry 
it's not just you be like the uh the sample control group yeah i can't be a good control group because i'm also on lexapro and clodopin and propranolol don't worry i have too many drugs in my system for that mental illness isn't it (laughs) (laughs) that's the slogan of our podcast yes yikes um so he ripped up the photo of joe he said you're never going to see him again He then put her in a really gross, decrepit room of his house. He bound her with an extension cord wrapped around her legs, arms, and neck, shoved a sock in her mouth to muffle her scream, and basically left her there for several days. So this is where things get even darker and more triggering and traumatic. So just a heads up, um, he would rape her multiple times a day, and he would put on loud music so nobody could hear her screaming. Uh, she said later on, she said, it was difficult. I had to go blank. Anytime he was doing anything to me, I had to put myself in a different place. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. literally disassociate so- yourself out of that exactly. fucking situation. Oh my exactly. God. Oh my God. And, uh, another way that she distanced herself from him was that she refused to call him by name and instead referred to him as dude to like, keep her distance from her abuser and kidnapper. There's so few things you can do in that situation. Do whatever you have to. I know. And I think that's really fascinating that 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 even occurred to her. Like, I'm not even going to use this name to, like, keep that distance, which is really fascinating. I don't want to, like, dignify this. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So eventually, Michelle's family reported her missing following her sudden disappearance. But remember that she had run away as a teenager earlier. So they were like, oh, she's probably just running away. She was probably upset she lost custody of Joey. And so no one went looking for her. So she just was reported missing and then that went out the window and they just kind of assumed she had run away from her family from her son and from her life so it was it just makes it extra sad when you read it about it and watch the stories because like nobody was looking for her you know it's just really fucking sad it's, i mean it's like what's the story the girl who cried wolf or something and or like and by the end like she like genuinely needed help and people like weren't there and like i mean it's just so terrifying i mean isn't that the, the boy who cried wolf but yeah i like that it's a girl better <laughs> it's oh, a modern sorry. version I, I understand maybe i'm i might be butchering that entirely well, it's I just like an old like yeah it's like an old story the boy who cried wolf and he kept he had some sh- a flock of sheep and he would scream wolf and people would come running and there would be no wolf and then one day there was a wolf and he screamed wolf and nobody came because he had cried it so many times and then the wolf ate all the sheep (laughs) kind of similar in terms of like you know she kept running away running away and then now nobody was looking for her when she yeah that's so sad that's so it is really sad i mean she did only run away once but yeah it but still it it is no no but it it's true like they just kind of were like well this is her track record so that's so this must be what happened and you just wonder how often that happens which is just really sad so fast forward a year (gasps) (laughs) i know i know it's bad uh that's gonna happen a few times unfortunately oh me losing my fucking breath great well the fast forwarding and the you losing your mind yeah (laughs) both side by side i mean you haven't even gone to the other two fucking people yet. no i haven't i know i'm on page two it's really bad oh my god so fast forward a year on april 21st 2003 a day before her 17th birthday, 16-year-old Amanda Barry got up and got ready for her job at a local Burger King in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. She later on remembers, quote, I almost called off of work that day because the next day was my birthday. You know, what if? What if I would have called off that day? But instead, she went into work. And while walking home, a vehicle started to follow Amanda down the street. And the man inside asked her if she needed a ride home. And 
again, she recognized Ariel Castro as one of her friends and classmates' dad. So, like, you just think, oh, I know this guy. I've met him. I mean, look, if my friend's dad was, like, I mean, yeah, if they were like, oh. Bear Bear showed up on the bridge on his e-bike and said, hot pot. That man will murder me. I am. To be fair, he can't really lure you in with candy because it's literally dried fruit and nobody wants it. He'd be like, give me candy. I'd be like, let me see the candy first. I'd be like, show me. I know your fucking (laughs) tricks. Don't even. He's like, it's a stale granola bar in my car. I know the best steakhouse in the world. I would be in that car. Like, it's hard to lure me in. No, and it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, it's a state. Like, your guard is down, of course. Um, Let's just say, like, a prime example is when we were in Portland. Do we remember the story of Portland? Uh oh, no. Musk? What did I do? Do you remember <gasps> Musk? I oh, ended up no. Musk. Nobody else. Musk. I've never covered. I've no, never Musk you covered. haven't. Musk is a person, by the way. Everyone. Like when you say, I haven't covered Musk as if it were like a true crime story. First of all, it was a true crime in terms of if lying is a crime, that was a real. Because the way that I met Musk is because someone at our live show, and you know who you are. I don't know who you are anymore, but I know you know. <laughs> you know who you are. I don't, but you do. <laughs> because at the meet and greet, someone was like, Portland has the best steak. You got to go to this place. It has, it, it's open until 2 a.m. It's got the best steak in the world. And I was like, okay, well, it's midnight and I am hungry and it's steak. Like, I'll go. And I went, do, do, do. And I went all Uh-oh. the way to the steakhouse at two in the morning. And it ended up being literally like a sex house. Remember? <laughs> yes, I remember. And I, stayed, and I stayed because I was not going to judge. I was like, we are sex positive here, and I just want my fucking steak. And I sat down, and let's just say I was surrounded by a lot of. Hmm, let's just say that apparently, once midnight hits, uh, then it becomes like after hour all bets are off yeah it's not just like a strip late night it's not just a strip club like once midnight hits it becomes like an experimental sex house and i saw a lot of things and a lot of people doing a lot of things to each other and i sat there quietly waiting for my fucking steak and this very naked woman kept I mean, it's like, I know like part of their job is to like kind of like get all touchy feely on you, but I am so scared of that. And so like, I'm just so vanilla and she kept trying to be like touchy feely. And like, because I I was like, I just, I just want my steak. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Also, yeah, you always describe yourself as like the most vanilla person when it comes to that. Truly. I was like, I would like. This is not my comfort zone. She did this thing. Okay. It was like. To a vanilla person, it was just, like, really shocking. Like, really shocking. And I, like, went back to the hotel that night and, like, knocked on your door and Eva's door at, like, 3 a.m. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, I've got to tell you what I just saw. One of them, I remember, this is this is when I felt the stupidest in my entire life, which I know you know the story because I couldn't shut up about it. One of the things that <laughs> this touchy-feely waitress was doing, because, like, she's supposed to be, like, all, like, hot and get me bothered or something. <laughs> As she was taking my order, she took her naked butt and like lifted her butt cheek and then like <laughs> scooted up to the table and like let her hand go. So her ass would like slam onto the table. <laughs> and I said, you almost knocked over my Shirley temple. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I just want my steak. And then this person 
it made me wait around for the steak. And then I found out later, like the kitchen closed an hour early and no. I never my steak. And while I was sitting there waiting for this fucking steak that never came, uh, Musk came onto the stage oh. and I'm not gonna, it's too, it's too, it's very too. For our explicit podcast, it's too X-rated. Yeah. Let's just say there were like remote control cars with dildos involved. Oh and oh my God, I forgot about the remote control cars. She had weights inside her and then she literally punched a man in the face. It was, <laughs> and I was just like, God, this better be the best steak of my entire life. And I walked out having done nothing except lost money. <laughs> yeah, and lost a part of your vanilla innocence, I think. And Shirley Temple. Okay. And your Shirley Temple. They probably were pissed. They were like, this dude's not even drinking. And like. I was, I was, how could I? I was in a state no. of shock. I'm um, amazed that you uh, survived that ordeal because you were very traumatized. Speaking of traumatizing things, like this story, I'm so sorry for having interrupted it. I just. No, no, no. But. <laughs> I, I just said like how e- I mentioned how easy it would be for someone to tell me anything. And literally one of our fans suggested yeah. this place. And I was like, to be fair, like that was somebody we didn't know. And you still apparently a, don't know. <laughs> it was a stranger who, by the way, could have like told me to go to a random location and then waited for me to see if I'd appear. And then they could have killed me. Like it was, right. I mean, Musk could have fucking punched me in the face that Musk night. probably like, almost did punch you directly in the face. within punching range. But- oh my God, Musk. <laughs> oh boy. Well, so exactly. So if you trust somebody who you've never met to tell you where the best steak in town is and you should show up, then like you're, you're going to trust your friend's dad who just wants to give you a ride and who you've met. It was a life lesson that I had to go through so I could tell everyone listening to us, don't do it. Just don't. Don't trust anybody, especially you gotta like take a note from Bishu Sandy and just fucking yelp a place, please, next time, M, before you show up where a stranger tells you to go. I certainly should have. Um, Do a quick Googs and check. It really would have saved me a lot of therapy money. Scroll through some of the photos on Yelp and see, you know, what kind of remote control cars are up in anyone's business. And they were okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay we're gonna have to do an after hours special just on that maybe we'll do a patreon bonus <laughs> i just talk about my my the darkest night of my life oh, anyway we can zoom my therapist and we can just get in a three three-way call here betterhelp.com <laughs> right exactly some, some poor therapist on BetterHelp knows all about musk they're uh, just like oh not again and this isn't to shame i'm I, we're usually very sex positive people i'm not shaming anyone you're into what you're into i don't care it's just I literally just wanted a steak and is not into the whole sex club thing i just i just it's not my thing and i was stuck there because i decided i was too hungry to leave so Please go back to your true crime. I'm so sorry for monopolizing. No, you're not. I think we all needed a little bit of a, a break there because it's, it's getting heavy. Um, and that's a perfect example. Don't don't listen to strangers. Sure. Don't listen to anyone. Don't listen to people, your friend's dad. Um, don't listen to Bear. And uh, if your friend's dad says, hey, I'll drive you home from your shift at Burger King, be careful. And to like this guy also was a school bus driver, by the way. And so people knew him. He was an elementary school bus driver. He was like a figure that people recognized. His daughter had a lot of friends who knew him. So this wasn't like, oh, some stranger danger situation. Right. She knew him. So uh, he was like, "Okay, I'll drive you home. And she's like, yeah, that'd be great. So he said his daughter her friend was at his house and would amanda like to go see her so she's like sure yeah i'll go see her 
So Castro drove her home to his white two-story house on Seymour Avenue. And in the car, he was apparently talkative. He was talking about his kids and how one of his kids apparently worked at the Burger King Amanda worked at. And so they were just chatting away. Nothing seemed off. They were about to go see her friend. And when they arrived, Castro said, his daughter might be taking a bath, so we'll just wait. And he said, hey, let me show you a tour, give you a tour of the house. So Castro took Amanda upstairs and showed her something, which at the time she kind of dismissed as like, okay, I guess uh, I'm just going to dismiss this. Um, There was a hole in the door where a doorknob used to be, and he had her look through through the hole, and she saw a woman sleeping in a bedroom in front of a television set. And we later learn, and Amanda later learns, that that was Michelle, who had been there for a whole year and was sleeping in the bedroom on a mattress. So Amanda remembers, quote, he took me to the next bedroom, and it was just really dark in there, and he didn't turn on the lights. And there was a little, like, a little room off the bigger bedroom, kind of a big closet. He then took me to the basement, and he taped my wrists, and he taped my ankles, and he put a belt around my ankles over the tape. He put a helmet over my head, and he said, just be quiet and don't make any noise, and I'll take you home. So he changed, chained her to a pole uh, with all of those things wrapped around her. He chained her to a pole, shut off the lights, and left her in the dark with the TV on. She started screaming and crying. Uh, she said, nobody came. I was so scared I was going to die. I didn't think I would ever make it home. And I watched a 2020 special on this, and she described – uh, how the helmet kept fogging up because she was crying and it right. was like a motorcycle helmet. And she was like, I was just like sobbing and I couldn't see. And it was, I mean, it's just really traumatic. Oh my God. So at this point, her family realizes she's missing. There's no reason for her to be gone. So her abduction makes headlines and Amanda's watching her mother and sister on the TV in the basement. So the TV's on. She can literally see her mother and sister talking about her on the news And she said, that kept me going. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make it home to you. As long as you fight, I'm going to fight. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Also, it's like, it's so, this is like, not to like be a slight at all. It's like bus drivers, but like, it's such a random person who would be involved in your life. Yeah. No one would be looking at that person. It's It's a tangential connection that you wouldn't, exactly. Yeah. It's not like, oh, the best friend or the roommate or. Yeah. Someone or like a like, boyfriend or somebody like really intimate. Someone with a real history with you. It's just like literally the random guy in town people happen to know that. Why would you pick that person out of the lineup? Exactly. And it, it's so weird because it's such a it's such a brief connection. You wouldn't. Yeah, you'd never connect those two people. It's like, oh, he looked familiar, but I don't know him very well. Or no one like I don't I don't have a relationship with any of my neighbors. Like no one would think it'd be my random fucking neighbor. But that person knows where I live. Like, yeah, I mean, true. it would make sense if they wanted to hurt me. Like, they could hide me pretty fucking easily. No one would ever look at them. Like, oh, God, don't get any ideas, people, please. Sorry. And please. we talk about ways that they're going to get abducted and killed. It's just, with our show, I feel like every time I hear a story of yours, I just realize how easy it could be to... It's a dangerous fucking place, fucking man. somebody. Yeah, the world is terrifying. Um, So on the fourth day of her abduction, which was April 24th, 2003... Uh, Amanda said Castro moved her to an upstairs bedroom and chained her to a radiator. She was missing for a week when her family received a call from her cell phone. Oh. So, of course, they're excited and they answer the phone and it's Ariel Castro. And he doesn't say who he is, but he calls on her cell phone and he says, I have Mandy. 
And according to Amanda's sister, nobody called her Mandy except people who knew her. So he knew her well enough to know, like, his daughter called her Mandy because they were friends. So he knew her nickname, but still there was no connection because he was such a removed person out of her life. Yeah. Um, And he said, she wants to be with me. And that was all he said. So it was 2003 and the FBI had just started developing technology to track cell phones. And so they were able to narrow down that her phone had been used in like a certain block radius, like a 30 block radius. And it's so upsetting because they got so close, like they were in that area. Uh, An FBI agent named Tim Kalanick said, we spent about a week around the clock in that area, hoping the phone would be used again, but he never used her phone again. So if he had used the phone again, they probably would have been able to pinpoint where she was being held. But it was like so close yet so far. And they were driving around the house and there was no way to know where she was. But she was in that radius, which is just so dark. Um, Meanwhile, Amanda was stuck in this like really filthy room in his house. It was about the size of a closet. Um, She described the mattress was old and nasty. It was just disgusting. Um, She was tied up by a five foot chain and she said she had enough room to get up and use the bathroom, uh, but she had to use a garbage can to like go to the bathroom in in the room, which was obviously filthy. Um, And it was really difficult to sleep because she had this five foot chain. So anytime she had to turn over, she would have to like lift the chain off of her to move. So she was never having like, I mean, why would you have a good night's sleep in that situation anyway? But like. Yeah, it was a restless sleep. Yes. And it's just part of like the the torture of this is like she just can't even be comfortable in a room. Yeah. So other than that, he Castro gave her food. He gave her like a bag of chips or crackers or fast food every now and then. And the other kind of sick twisted thing is that he never allowed Amanda and Michelle to contact each other to talk to like commiserate with each other. So there was not even did Michelle know that Amanda was there. Okay. Yeah. So they knew of each other's presence, but they weren't allowed to speak or connect uh, in any way, which made it even worse, obviously. So a year later, again, a whole nother year later, on April 2nd, 2004, Castor decided he wanted a third prisoner for his house. So he found Georgina de Jesus, who is 14 years old, so the youngest so far, uh, about five blocks away from the street where he kidnapped Amanda. And Gina was friends with Castro's daughter, Arlene. So again, another daughter's friend. I was going to, I have a question. So, so all three of them, if they were all friends with his daughter, in theory, all three of them knew each other, right? Uh, I'm not sure if they knew each other beforehand. Maybe they knew of each other. Um, yeah, I'm not sure because at this point too, Michelle wasn't listed as missing because people just assumed she ran away. So they definitely weren't going to connect those two. Right. Yeah. So they, they presumably were one degree separated. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like in terms of like, oh, if his daughter had a birthday party, he would invite all three of them and they might have yeah. passed each other. Or something. That's a good point. It literally doesn't matter. I was trying to think if they knew each other. Well, interestingly, they're also a couple of years apart. So I wonder, too, like they didn't specify if maybe he had multiple daughters. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, because they were like three years apart in age. So they didn't even, right. you know, they weren't even in the same class or anything. Right. So a little bit odd. I don't know if it was the same daughter. Maybe it was different daughters. Um, but yeah, they presumably had crossed paths at some point, which is also disturbing. Imagine, imagine being my fucking daughter. Oh God, I know. I thought about that too. Like your dad's using you as the reason to like kidnap your friend. I mean, it's horrific. Oh it's like unthinkable. So on the day she was kidnapped, Gina and Arlene 
the friend, the daughter, were actually heading home from school and then they went their separate ways. And only moments later, a maroon vehicle pulled up on the curb and she recognized Arlene's father at the wheel. And he said, hey, have you seen Arlene? I'm looking for her. And she was like, oh, yeah, I just saw her. And he's like, oh, can you show me where she went? Like, hop in and show me where she went and I'll drive you home. So she's like, sure, yeah. So she gets in the car. And uh, she said, I was kind of freaking out a little bit when he didn't turn around. But then when he started talking to me about how his daughter about his daughter and how he was going to take his daughter to the mall and stuff, I kind of relaxed. So unfortunately, instead of going to find his daughter, Castro drove Gina to his house where he asked her to help him move a stereo. And once inside, Gina was like, things are off things. He's being really weird and his behavior is bizarre. She said, quote, he was like fixing his eyebrows and trimming his mustache and cutting his nose hairs. Uh, and then she said, he starts to like touch me and stuff. And then I'm like, what are you doing? You could go to jail. And then he switches up saying, well, okay, you're going to go home now, but you can't go through the same door you came in. So (laughs) that's like her summation of it. But basically he's like starting to get feely with her and she's like, don't do that. And he's like, okay, you're right. I'm going to send you home, but you have to go through a different door. And it happens. I guarantee a door into a locked fucking room or something. It's in the basement. Fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So he led Gina to the basement where she said he grabbed her and chained her up. Uh, She said he didn't make it tight enough. So I threw it over and tried to run, but he sat on my back and pinned her there. So her family filed a missing persons report and like they're similar in age, but again, she's 14. So she's even younger than these other two. And 14 is really little. Yeah, I mean, so it's 16, obviously, but 14 is even younger. So her family reports her missing almost immediately. But similar to the last two kidnappings, they just couldn't figure out who would have done this and why. And it's just such a perfect crime of like, I'm safe enough for you to get in the car with. But like you said, not like an uncle or a cousin yeah. or someone you would know well enough to be a, to be suspicious of right um so all three of them are now like captive in his house and initially he worked really hard to keep them separated and uh he didn't permit them to talk to each other which kind of kept you know which is another control method i guess yeah. to keep them under control or so they can't conspire to get out or something yeah exactly they couldn't commiserate they couldn't learn anything from each other so gina said he was always there watching every move it was like he knew everything every move that we did and they were occasionally allowed out of their rooms to do chores around the house like they were expected to clean the house every now and then but they had to obey stringent rules and he was watching them the whole time they weren't allowed to speak that sort of thing. He also did an even next level fucked up thing, which is that he started to like so distrust in them of each other. So like he played them off of each other. Got it. And the way he would do that is he would treat them differently. So for example, it seemed like Gina was his favorite for a while. I mean, she was like, quote, the newest member of the house and also the youngest. And so he would, for example, get her food from really nice restaurants. And then he would only give the other two like crackers. And he made sure they knew this. And she would get and, – and Amanda described it later as, like, it's simple things like clothes or food. But at that point, you're so desperate and you're thinking, like – All you have are your bare necessities. Yeah, exactly. And so if you're seeing, like, this other girl gets a new sweater, you're yeah. like, well, what the fuck? I'm in this fucking chained-up room. Why don't I get that? And so that created, like, distrust and jealousy and just made it even worse. So Amanda – I mean, the way she filled time basically was by writing. So she was she asked for a journal and he actually brought her a journal 
and a pen to like keep herself busy. So she wrote in notebooks, on napkins, in her diary, and even on fast food bags. So um, Robin from 2020, when she would like had her show how it worked, so she got a McDonald's bag and she said you would tear the sides where the glue is and like spread it out, and it became like this huge blank piece of paper. And she said that would last her about a week of writing. Wow. So she used anything she could find as like a surface to write on. And interestingly, she actually created like a coded, like a secret code to. I was gonna say. So it's so fascinating, and like she reads some of these entries later on, which is like so wild. But she created like a secret code on every day she was raped. She would write like the number of times, and so she would was keeping track because she said later if they found her body or if they found him, she would want them to like figure out that this is how many times he had you know violated her. Right. So they basically she had a black and white TV and that was all she had to kind of connect her to the outside. Um, And this is also surreal because she was watching TV channels talking about her. So it's so trippy. I mean, like next level creepy. So she was watching she would watch the Montel Williams show a lot. And the psychic he often had was Sylvia Brown. And so she would watch this all the time. And she she said she desperately hoped her mother would go on the program so that Sylvia Brown could tell her that she was all right and like give her some sort of comfort. And then one day her mother in 2004 literally got on the show. And so Amanda's sitting there and they're like, now we have the mother of missing 16 year old or 17 year old Amanda uh, Amanda Berry. And so my God, Sylvia Brown must be so fucking nervous at this point. (laughs) I've got someone who can confirm or deny everything I'm about to predict. Well, so she literally said, I'm sorry, she's not alive. And so she told I mean, there's a lot of issues with Sylvia Brown in general, but so she told she watched as Sylvia Brown told her mother that she had died and she was like confident. And I watched the clip and she's like, I hate to tell you this, but there's no other way to tell you like she's dead. She's gone. Also, like, can you imagine the like watching your it's something that luckily none of us will ever have to experience or but I guess in this exact one case, there's always that chance. Yeah. Uh, like watching someone see your reaction to finding out that you're dead. That you're dead. I mean, really, you're right. It's like so surreal. Especially your mom. I've like mom, the I like I, I can't imagine a more heartbreaking thing to watch and also yeah. it not being true. And, and you're out of control. Like you have no way of being like, yeah. No, it's me, like I'm here. Like, keep your hope up. And so, yeah, Sylvia Brown basically said, like, no, she's dead. Sorry. And her mom, like, broke down. Like, I mean, her mom had totally broke down. And it was, like, she said the worst fucking thing to watch. Um, So she said, I just broke down crying because I couldn't believe Sylvia Brown said that. And then my mom broke down crying. So that hurt even worse. Then, even worse than that, three years into her disappearance, Amanda watched as her mother's death was announced on the news. So her mother would never... Get to know that she had been alive the whole time. Oh my god, that's the most heart wrenching part of like you. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, she said that had almost completely broken her. Like that was that would have I'd be destroyed. Yeah, and she said so. Her mother's name was Luana Miller, and she had died of heart failure. Um, this was just like totally heartbreaking. So Michelle, the first woman who's a uh, oh my god, I almost said adopted. Jesus Christ, abducted. very different uh also was kind of using as her family as like a motivation to keep going and survive so michelle remembers if it wasn't for my son joey being out there and hoping to come back to him i don't know what i would have done so you know now amanda's mother has died and so she has to just hope she can get out to see her sister yeah um and so 
In 2006, uh, shortly after her mother died, Amanda suddenly had a new motivation to survive because on her 20th birthday, she realized she was pregnant. And she actually said, which gave me goose cam, she said in the 2020 special that she felt like her mother had died and had given her this baby because she knew like her when her mother had died, she realized like she needed a reason to like a survive. Yeah. She sent a baby to her, which was like the most, oh God, it made me cry. Wow. Um, so she suddenly realized she was pregnant. Uh, she said she was terrified. She said, how? I mean, I barely eat and I'm chained to a wall and I have a bucket for a bathroom. So this must just be like terrifying, like a next level fear of like, now you have a baby to care- take care of. Yeah. Um, so all the women at this point had encountered pretty horrific sexual abuse from Castro. Michelle had become pregnant five times, but miscarried each time because she had been starved and beaten by Ariel Castro. So, I mean, I mean, I'm not shocked. I mean, with like the, the way that she was, her body was being handled. I mean, and he was clearly abusing the shit out of her. Um, so on Christmas day, 2006, Amanda gave birth to her daughter, Jocelyn, Castro had brought home an inflatable kiddie pool for her to give birth in because he didn't want to mess on his hands. That's a quote from the show. Um, And Michelle helped deliver the baby because, remember, she had helped deliver her own brother years before when she was really young. So she delivered the baby and apparently Ariel Castro sat in a chair and read a book about childbirth in the corner trying to like catch orchestrate it. Yeah, because he wasn't going to take her to a hospital, obviously. It's a lot like, did you ever see Room with Brie? Yeah, Miss Brie. Miss Brie. Miss Brie, wow. That's what I was thinking of, like, this whole time, this story. Yeah. Wow. So Amanda, like, originally struggled with the concept of having a child with her, like, abusive captor. Sure. She said, quote, this is his kid, you know, how do I feel about that? And she resembled him a lot, but then I would look at her and I just felt like, she's mine, she's mine. So she was able to kind of separate, even though he did look, she did look a lot like her father. She was able to, like, separate it and say, like, no, this is my child and she's not taking that away from me. So Gina said later that having little Jocelyn there was, like, a really nice distraction and, like, a welcome change of pace in the house, some some brightness, added some brightness to the house. Gina said, it was fun because I was able to get away from the situation. When I was playing with Jocelyn, Jocelyn made me forget everything. So Jocelyn was just this, like, little angel that appeared and, like, brightened everybody's lives. And brought a lot of happiness with her but as she started to grow up amanda was like how do i explain all this to her like i'm raising this child in this room and it was really sweet she had set up like a little elementary school and they would play like imagination games where she would say okay i'm gonna walk you to school now and then she would say like okay bye see you after school and like put her you know down at like a little chair and say like now learn your alphabet it is like room yeah it is and and she would and there were pictures of it and she had like you know, handmade little like alphabet posters for the wall. And she was just like raising her in this tiny room, like room, like room. <laughs> um, so they, she was like, how do I describe being chained up? Like, what am I supposed to say to her? And he told the girls that it's hard to say women or girls because one of them was a child. Two right. of them were at this point older. So women, so girls, not saying females, right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he told the women to describe their chains as bracelets to try and normalize like why they were chained to a radiator. When Jocelyn was about two or three, Jocelyn asked her dad, Castro, to please take the chains off of her mom. So he did because he sort of was like a softie around his little daughter. Right. 
And um, as Jocelyn grew older, he started allowing her more and more freedoms. So even though the women slash girls were locked inside, every time Castro would leave the house, he would let Jocelyn play in the backyard. She would go to the park with him or to Sunday services with her dad. So he was kind of like becoming a different person with her as far as like he was letting his guard down in a way. And he was softening to her, not to them, obviously, like they're still chained up to a radiator, but to the little girl, he's taking her out with him and stuff. Imagine being Jocelyn now and in therapy being like, when I think of growing up, like, oh, I'd go to the park. Yeah. And then I would run on home to my mother, chained to the wall and tell her about how much fun I had. And I wish she could come with me. It's really heartbreaking yeah it is and amanda too at this point is nervous because she's like oh she loved him her dad and he loved her but she's also nervous like is he Uh, he has problems is he touching her is he doing anything and she has no control over this it's also the sickest part like at least like with like in room because that's the only other it's really similar but like at least which like this isn't great but like the the guy that was holding Miss Bree in the room and like they had a son together, like he was really fucking detached from that kid. Yeah. And it's almost better because like that kid had a better chance of like not being connected, being okay. Yeah. Not being connected in case they ever escaped. Like, I mean the, the worst, some of the worst stories that I ever hear are when there's like cases of assault and that leads to uh, someone being pregnant. And then there's like custody. Yeah. It's like, get the yeah. fuck out of here with that. So like, that's just an extra level of mental torture of like, now I have to deal with this guy. But you wonder too, because is it better that she was able to like leave the house and like have somewhat of normal experiences rather than being chained up all true. the time or, and he didn't abuse her as far as we know, or as far as they've said. So also at least like he wasn't treating her the way he was treating the other three. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely like all bad <laughs> as we like to and say. There's no right answer. No, it's just not. all terrible, but yeah, it's, it's something to think about and, it is and want to cry to yeah and um i mean spoiler alert but this is kind of what helps save them in the end is that he kind of softens to the daughter and like okay. kind of loosens his grip on like being controlling and okay. having that kind of control over the the other three so um at this point it's like how is nobody suspecting him if he's running around with suddenly a small child where is this child coming from? Like, right. what's going on? And it's just the wildest thing because nobody fucking suspected it. And uh, there is wow. a book called Hope, A Memoir of Survival in Cleveland. And the author, Mary Jordan, describes it as Castro was very clever. You can't underestimate how smooth he was. If you walked down the street, you didn't see that he had put a door and nailed it to those windows and had quilts up because he had pulled the curtains. He always tidied up his front lawn. His house was a mess because he was a big hoarder, but he was very clever. He said hello to neighbors. He was sweet. He drove the school bus. He was good to his friends. He just had a double life. And when he walked inside his front door, he became a whole other violent person. And what would happen in terms of Jocelyn going to school? Because like he, he, there's no way he risked like the girl going to school and talking about her mom. Yeah, no. So she went, she just did the schooling like in the room with her mom. Like her mom did like that little school at home. And okay. I thought that was just like all pretend okay i mean it it was pretend like she was like oh now i'm gonna drop you off at school but it was like their bedroom no i'm I'm saying i thought the whole scenario was imaginary not that education was taking place also uh wait what like did she go to school no like did she like have an education or be homeschooled okay that got it yeah yeah so he didn't he like took her out every now and then to go to the park but like rarely and also 
sometimes she was allowed to play outside, but that was it. So Got it. inside, she was, quote unquote, learning from her mom, who pretended to be the teacher. It was like, got just it. kind of, she was trying to. I know she also got like an added perk as a mother of like, oh, and you can have some like, like school books so you can be the teacher too or something. I, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe he bought her like coloring supplies and stuff, but nothing like okay. real education wise, you know, nothing like structured. Um, so then we fast forward to May 6, 2013, and now it has been 11 years that Michelle, uh, the first abductee, has been in this fucking house. Whoa. So May 6, 2013, there is an opportunity finally for the women to make their escape in an unexpected way, which is Jocelyn. So this is how Amanda tells the story. So Jocelyn goes downstairs and then she runs back up and she says, I don't find daddy. Daddy's nowhere around. She's like, mom, daddy's car is gone. My heart immediately started pounding because I'm like, should I chance it? If I'm going to do it, I need to do it now. And this shockingly, she tried her door of her bedroom and it was unlocked. And she said this was the first time in 10 years that Castro had left and she had tried the door and it wasn't locked. He always locked her door when he left the house, but he was kind of letting his guard down now because he has this little girl running around and he lets her like go in and out of the room. So he left the door unlocked. So she was shocked that her bedroom door was unlocked. Um, And downstairs, the front door was open, but wired with an alarm. And beyond it, there was a storm door that he had padlocked shut. So she was able to squeeze out one arm of this out of the storm door. And she's waving her arm around and she's screaming, somebody, please help me. I'm Amanda Barry. Please help me. And this is not the guy you want to be anybody. So a neighbor saw her, but was too afraid to intervene and basically was like, uh, I don't feel comfortable in this scenario and fucking kept walking. Oh my God. Like, say something guys. Oh my gosh. This is like the ultimate example of like, what an asshole do you feel like now that you almost let her go back to yeah. the life she was living? So um, she said, after I got to that locked door and the guy wa- like didn't help her and walked away, I was like, he's going to come home and this is going to be the end. But that is when another neighbor, Charles Ramsey showed up. Amanda explained, he kind of like started trying to pull on the door, but he couldn't get it open either. So he kind of like kicks it and he's like, there you go, finished kicking it and you can get out. So she was able, he was able to kick it from the outside. She was then able to kick it from the inside and the door opened and she was able to run out into the front yard of the house. Wow. So she had him call 911. She spoke to the operator. She was terrified because she was convinced that still he would come home and somehow get her back inside and kill her probably. She said, I don't know why he left that day with the door unlocked. I will never know. And she said, first, it was so unreal. So she called. You can hear the 911 call. She says, this is Amanda Berry. I've been missing for 10 years. Please come help me. And it's like, as the dispatch, she must be like, what? Can you imagine? Yeah. So wow. she said, when the cops got there, I told them there's two other girls in the house. So within minutes, police started flooding the street. They stormed the house where Gina and Michelle were hiding in their room. They didn't know what was going on. They just heard a lot of ruckus and thought like Castro was hurting Amanda. They just weren't sure what was going on. But as soon as they were, heard the word police, uh, Michelle swung the door open, ran out and like hung hung on to the officers and wouldn't let go well probably literally the first person she's seen in a decade yeah the first person and like somebody who is not going to hurt her yeah also imagine being a detective that was on the case like 10 years ago who was just patrolling and patrolling and patrolling but not going into any of the houses being like 
I've looked at that house yeah. hundreds of times. And I when that cell phone pinged, like they were driving around that area for a, an entire solid week, 24 seven, we're driving around. And 10 years later, like you have no idea where that detective is. They might not even, they might have a totally different job now. And they're just like that fucking house this entire time. And it makes me wonder like, what other fucking houses are you walking past and you have no clue what goes on beneath, Oh yeah, you know, under in the basement or behind closed doors. Yeah. It's, it's just the worst. Um, so when Gina told police, I'm Gina DeJesus, uh, she said it was the first time she had heard her own name in five years. And Castro had made them all use different names. And I don't have the names that they used. I don't think they like to talk about that for obvious reasons. Sure. Um, but he had given them like other names to use to like, and he called them his wives. Like he had a whole twisted idea of what, what they were to him. Um, and actually they they had been boarded up in this house for so long that after 10 years they got out and the flashing lights of the police were so bright they could barely like keep their eyes open that's how dark it was inside their captivity so obviously next their families arrived i mean seeing those photos is just one of the most powerful yeah powerful things yeah it's it's pretty wild um like seeing amanda's sister in the hospital with her it's just crazy so Gina's father, Felix, described it as a dream. He thanked the Lord for bringing his baby back. Amanda's sister, Beth, welcomed her with open arms. And her first thought was, oh, my God, she's so skinny, but she's still beautiful. Um, I mean, it's been like 10 years. It, the thought of that is just bonkers. Um, she said she had the biggest smile. I could just feel her love. And as for Michelle, she was brought to the hospital. She had been, I think she was probably treated physically the worst out of all of them. Um, She had been so severely beaten. She had lost her vision and she had nerve damage. And again, she had like miscarried five babies. Like he was really, really horribly abusive to her. Um, And her mother told the press that she hoped to reunite with her daughter and introduce Michelle to a younger sister that had been born during the time she was captive. But Michelle chose to not meet up with her family and kept her distance, which her story is just tinged with a lot of sadness because, you know, no one was looking for her. And then she got out and she oh, couldn't I don't even blame her at all. Yeah. I, don't I don't either. And she couldn't even face her family. I mean, her family's her mom's boyfriend is the reason that her son had gotten taken away in the first place. So yeah. it's, it's awful. So Castro, who was 53 at this point, was sentenced to life plus 1000 years in prison on August 1st, 2013, after he pled guilty to 937 counts of kidnapping, rape and aggravated murder. Um, At his sentencing, Michelle stated, I've got my life back. I spent 11 years in hell. Now your hell is just beginning. But unfortunately, uh, he was found dead in his prison cell after dying by suicide on September uh, 3rd, 2013. So he was there for like a couple weeks. That's such bullshit. And he took his own life. And they were just like, it was horrible because they were like, you know, we suffered for so long and he just fucking for fucking heaven. out. Yeah. It's almost it's crimes like that where you wish you could prolong life just so you could make them suffer longer. Whereas yeah, like, that's what that's what Gino is saying. Yeah. I want you to suffer a thousand years. I want you to know like, what it was like or feel what it was like. Yeah. And Gino was saying the same thing of like, I was hoping to watch him rot in prison for the rest of his life and he just took yeah. took took the way so out. So again, they had no control. Again, yeah, again. They just couldn't even keep him. I mean, yeah, it's really fucked up. So in 2015, Gina and Amanda graduated from high school, which was obviously a big deal. Gina got to have her quinceanera, which she had, hadn't had. She disappeared when she was 14. Um, Gina and Amanda together wrote a memoir called Hope, a memoir of survival in Cleveland, uh, written alongside two Washington Post journalists. And that's kind of where they describe a lot of the details we've talked about, but obviously even more in the book, if you want to read that. 
Um, And Gina herself in 2018 founded the Cleveland Family Center for Missing Children and Adults to help families, you know, deal with the media and figure out how to go to police and the best way to search for missing loved ones. And the foundation's headquarters is located on the same street on Seymour Avenue where she was held captive for 10 years. So in 2018, uh, the Daily Mail reported that Michelle's son, so Joey, the boy that she was going to see that one day, his new family had unfortunately made the decision to not share the identity of his birth mom with him. And so apparently Michelle said she understood the decision and she has photographs of Joey that his adoptive parents send her and she's just happy to see he's like growing up and having a happy life. So as far as we know, she's now happily married to her husband, Miguel, and has changed her name to Lily Rose Lee. And uh, she just hopes to one day be able to see her son down the line when, you know, things change or when he grows up, I guess. Wow. And so since her escape, Michelle has become an advocate for victims of sexual abuse. Um, She released two memoirs. And she told uh, NBC News that since escaping, she has found it hard using a lot of the things that we now take for granted. So, for example, cell phones or smartphones. She said, oh, my God, cell phones were such a pain in the butt for me. It was just beepers and flip phones when I was kidnapped. And now she has to figure out how to use, like, TikTok and, like, Snapchat and stuff. No. No. And so Amanda still lives with her daughter, Jocelyn, who is now 14 years old. Um, And according to a 2018 interview, she described Jocelyn as so kind-hearted. She loves animals. She's outgoing. She's a little sassy. I think she gets that from me. I'm just so proud of how much she's grown as a person. She's very caring, and a lot of kids her age are not like that. So that is the story of the Ariel Castro kidnapping house in Cleveland. Ten years. Holy shit. And they, they managed to get their way out. Thank God. Wow. That is uh, heavy. That's a heavy one, yeah. I mean, I'm so thankful they made it out, but like, it's just goes to show you don't know what people are really like behind the scenes. Oof. Oh my gosh. I'm surprised I didn't know about it. I I should have. Yeah. just it completely just passed me, I suppose. I didn't know if you remembered like when they escaped, because I remember that being like a huge thing that they, they got out of the house. It was, I, I don't know. Maybe it was just because I was in Ohio. What year was it? 2013. Yeah, I didn't, I don't, I don't know how I missed that. The sad thing is there's so many horrible stories like this that they kind of, you know. <laughs> they shouldn't have to blend together. It's another news yeah. story. I know, I know. It's horrible. Wow. Didn't, what did the shows that you watched or what were the documentaries? Oh, so I watched um, a couple of things. So 2020, um, ABC News did, all right. I wrote it down here. So ABC News did a special called Trapped. Um, I watched a 2020 special. I just am obsessed with 2020. So I watch everything they do. And then there are also those books, which I did not read all the books, but a lot of the information came from those books. So uh, they're memoirs, which are also great. Wow. So yeah, that's that, my friends. Now time for some cookies with Bear. Listen, you deserve it. (laughs) Cookies with Bernie sounds like a terrible German spinoff. A cautionary tale, indeed. Look, cookies with Bernie or biscuits with Bernie or... Biscuits with Bernie! Oh, my God. Horrible. Honey with the bear. Uh... (laughs) No, because he calls his his girlfriend Honey all the time, and I'm like... Does she call him Honey Bear? That's probably where it came from. So that'd be so sweet and precious. Um, Okay. Well, I guess it's better than Stinky Witch, to be fair. Like (laughs) nothing's better than Stinky Witch. In terms of uh, pet nicknames and and relationships, (laughs) I think Allison has it the fucking worst. Um, Okay. Well, anyway, thank you so much for listening to 
And that's why we drink uh, another episode. <laughs> another episode of ups and downs. We should just call this show the roller coaster at this point. But the roller coaster. Uh, if you want to find us anywhere, you can go to and that's why we drink.com and our socials are the M Schultz and XT and Chiefer. And if you would You can also find M at the Steakhouse Sex Dungeon. You never will again. Um, <laughs> at least not when the sun is down. Um, and uh, also we uh I wasn't gonna say you can also still submit uh listener stories on our website and all that for, for listeners episodes and yeah. We love you guys. And take care and don't get in any cars with anybody and don't. see something, say something. Mm-hmm. And if you know Musk, tell her. <laughs> tell her, her say hi, wink. Just, just walk away slowly. Just walk, walk away slowly. And unless don't. Kind of thing. Yeah, unless you're into it. Don't give her a remote control car if you're hoping to see see that car again. Because you might Let's not ever. See. If you know Musk and she, for Christmas, got you a remote control car, oh, I would be wary of where it came from. That's all. Yeah. Wash your hands. <laughs> and that's why we drink. (laughs) Yay!